0: this is winnipeg sports talk daily with andrew hustler patterson and michael remus
1: what is up everybody welcome to another edition of winnipeg sports talk daily andrew patterson michael remus with you and uh well it's about that time the dubois drama is back we have a trade request to announce and uh <laughs> We're going to be getting into this with Brandon Rewicki and Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet, or Rennie of Kenny and Rennie fame, depending on where you catch Sean's content. Uh, We'll also uh, take a quick trip out to the ballpark a little later on and check in with Andrew Collier on uh, the fish, but also a really exciting event coming to the ballpark next month for you beer connoisseurs. Uh, But needless to say, we'll get to the Bombers, who are... uh, one sleep away from beginning their season tomorrow night. Looking like it's going to be a gorgeous night. 26 and sunny and looking like 30,000 plus at IG Field. So make sure to cop those tickets if you haven't already for what should be an amazing night tomorrow at IG Field. But uh, we're going to get it right to it. Lots to uh, dive into considering the news that's broken since we were on the air yesterday yesterday. Um, before I bring in Michael Remus, though, a big thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, BP, Aikens Lake, Wilderness Lodge, and Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. Little Brown Jug Brewing, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, M- Modern Man Barbershop, The Gold Eyes, our friends at Ascindable Downs. And, of course, we'll get to a why not question of the day for Not Auto Corp. And... Cannot forget about our great partners at CoolBet. Don't forget, folks, that Winnipeg Sports Talk live from the NHL draft in Nashville presented by CoolBet begins on Monday, June 26th. And uh, I have a feeling, considering what we found out last night, which isn't really a surprise to anyone, that is going to be quite a momentous week for the Jets and our show and our listeners as well. So uh, lock that in three weeks from now, all week long from Nashville at the NHL Draft right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's get down to it and uh, welcome Michael Remus in. And uh, Remo was bound to happen. We were about to hear Pat Brisson has entered the chat. Anytime.
2: I'm so pumped, Us, huh? so Oh, pumped.
1: here we are. The logo. So, it's been updated.
2: So pumped. We had this logo last year and it said summer <laughs> 2022. I think summer has now officially kicked off with a report yesterday from Pierre LeBrun saying Pat Brisson. so it told we'll play we'll play the video but it was like what time was it you know where were you when you heard of the latest Pierre Luc Dubois trade request and basically said look he's not going to sign a long term deal which he knew won't even sign a one year bridge deal wants to, you know to work with the Jets to work on to work a trade anywhere um, one thing. You know, I was thinking about us. At least, you know, we've kind of been down this road before with the Jacob Truba request. At least Jacob Truba was so nice to the fans. us putting out a heartfelt letter saying that, hey, you know, I just want to be a top pair, right side, D. Uh, it's been my lifelong goal. He had the, the reasoning that, look, he's a family man. His girlfriend is in, you know, medicine or school in New York. He wants to go be with her. You could get behind that. This is the equivalent of uh, Jerry Seinfeld offering the girl the pie on Seinfeld and her just shaking her head, being like, mm, no, there's no there's no reason. There's no there's none of that. Like, where's the letter, Pat Brisson? Where's what's Pierre-Luc Dubois' dream? Oh, wait, is his dream that he's always dreamt of playing for the Canadians? And you can't say that because it would be tampering. Then I get it. But still, I mean. I think Jacob Truba. I think we can say Truba went about his trade request the right
1: way. That is what I what I've learned from this. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> listen, the Truba letter. Listen, I was completely here for it because it gave us a lot of content for the warm up. Certainly, when we were back on the old station, as well yeah. as the afternoon ride. Um, and listen, here's one thing that I think is quite clear, um, and I and I'm behind this. Um, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are in a tougher situation, a small market, taxes, Canadian climate, blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh, I respect the fact that the Jets haven't allowed themselves to get pushed around. Um, and it didn't happen. They didn't allow Evander Kane to do that. They didn't allow Jacob Truba to do that. And that has been, and I think they're trying to establish a standard that, you know what, you can ask for whatever, but we're doing. What's in the best interest of the hockey club. And I think that's what every fan would expect. The unfortunate part about this situation is that a, it has been drawn out as long as it has been. And for Dubois, but you know, some other players, Mark Shifley as well, um, you know, you probably, if you thought that it was going to come to a point where you were going to be trading him, if, something had happened earlier you're probably avoiding a lot of nuisance um a lot of noise around your hockey club and you're probably getting a better return now at the same time much like with Jacob Truba I mean the Winnipeg Jet Truba was a huge part of that hockey club and they really did feel like they had a good chance to legitimately run at the Stanley Cup so I think it made a lot of sense at that point to keep Truba for the extra year and then you know, deal him and, you know, credit to Chevaldeoff. I think considering the circumstances, they did a pretty good job of getting value. And I would suggest that Trouba's value was even higher the year afterwards, despite the fact that they were sort of pushed in the corner with really only being able to trade him to the New York Rangers if they were going to get compensation that reflected a team that was going to be able to sign him long term. I mean, the Dubois thing is a little different in the fact that, you know, of course, he came here, as a solution to another problem that I think many of us have theories on how that could have maybe been handled differently. Um, and you know, it's been up and down during his time here, but for the better part of the last two to three years, the entire conversation has been about, wait a second, did we just trade Patrick Laine for a guy that's jetting that has one foot out the door and is going to be gone as soon as he has the opportunity. And unfortunately the answer to that is obviously yes. Um, so, I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on management and Kevin Cheveldayoff in particular. I mean, there's no other way around it right now. And I mean, this is not just a Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. You've got the Wheeler situation. You've got Mark Shifley. And you've got the most important guy of it all, Connor Hellebuck, probably sitting back watching all of this as his agent talks to the Winnipeg Jets about what they are planning on doing going forward. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it really... It, it, it exponentially increases the pressure, I think, on uh, on Kevin Chevaldea. But as far as you know, this situation today with Dubois, nobody's shocked. I'm looking at the chat right now. There's not a lot of people that are going. I can't believe Dubois requested a trade. Listen, this has been going on the whole time. But what's different now, folks, is that it is public, it's getting out there, the insiders are getting involved. And when that happens, there's always reasons for it. If the agent is doing it, they're trying to squeeze the team, they're trying to get some public pressure on them to make a move. We all know what the situation is. And then, much like we talked about what Elliot Friedman had to say, um, you know, on the weekend with, you know, the team's not planning on any sort of a rebuild. That's also a message, I think, from the club to their own players that they're going to try to stay competitive. We certainly heard that was an issue with many players at the end. But also to other teams that, you know, they're not just looking for picks. Um, you know, these are good players that are going out and they are looking to have some quality talent come back in. So... Uh, no shortage of topics for us to get to on this program as we get through it. But for folks that missed it, Remo, why don't we start off? Uh, we've got a couple of clips from yesterday. Um, first off, this is Pierre Lebrun, who uh, seems to have the ear of Pat Brisson. And he had this report yesterday on Insider Trading on TSN. Yeah, so Gino, we know a year ago that Pierre Lebrun, through his agent Pat Brisson, informed the Winnipeg Jets that he didn't attend the sign long term. Now not eligible to be UFA until next summer in 2024, but our understanding is that Pat Brisson has informed the Winnipeg Jets that his client
3: isn't inclined to sign an extension this summer, not even a one-year bridge, that Pat Brisson would like to work with the Winnipeg Jets on a trade for Dubois uh, to to another team. So that's where that's at right now. The Jets obviously can still decide to keep him for another year and
1: try to bring him to arbitration or try to trade him the trade deadline, but the bottom line is this looks like it's headed to a trade potentially this summer. All right. So uh, there it is. And and, and that is from LeBron, who is speaking clearly with a connection to Brisson. So the report is it's very clear that this is heading toward a trade. Well, they've asked for a trade, and they're trying to help facilitate a trade. The only guy that's going to actually make that trade is Kevin Chevaldeoff, and the guy within the insider community that seems to have the ear of chevy that gets chevy's response to these things is darren drager and dreg's weighed in later on on the uh, dubois situation with the winnipeg jets yeah look i mean kevin shovel and the winnipeg jets prefer not to have to trade any of their top players and they're not committed to doing that or extending them but you do have to look at the potential and what you're hearing on the trade market for pierre Luc dubois or mark shifley or Connor Hellebuck. Imagine the return for any of those three players or all three of those players in this offseason. It would help re stabilize the Winnipeg Jets. And when you look after next season, you cannot allow Connor Hellebuck to walk into free agency free. So offseason deals are normally the best deals in terms of return. This is going to be a big summer for the Jets. All right. So there is Dregs who, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, getting out the the team's um, viewpoint in all of this, that these are very good players and, uh, you know, they're listening to offers. uh, But there's some real value with all of these players. Just quickly, before we talk about the serious nature of it, Remo, can I please point out that in all likelihood, Darren Drager spent Monday checking out Winnipeg Sports Talk because for all of our suggestions on different re-words to describe not a rebuild but a re-something... Uh, can we just give Dregs a WST round of applause for dropping <laughs> re-stabilize in yesterday's report? That honestly was my favorite part of the entire day yesterday. I, I think so,
2: yeah. And, and over the weekend, L.A. Friedman, you know, had flashing sirens on Hockenade and Aiden Canada saying, not a rebuild, not a rebuild, not a rebuild. And we're like, hey, then you said, hey, if it's not a rebuild, it's a re-something. We, and Frank Sarvalli said... And his trade targets well, they want to remake the roster. We talked about uh, remodeling, you know, a reset, reload, retool. Uh, people saying, you know, we're gonna regurgitate the same thing uh, from last recalibrate. year. This yeah, recalibrate everything. But restabilize was completely new, had never heard of it. Um, that was an awesome drop <laughs> by Darren Drager, and I do think that they do need to restabilize what's going on here. With they got these four big you you know players headed to unrestricted free agency and we don't even talk about Demello, Dylan, Nito Nita Ryder.
1: I mean this if you were doing yeah, a, dude, a Don't talk about Nito Nita right now. Yeah. He's the he's the cover boy on their ads to sell tickets right now. Is he? Like I don't know if anyone's seen like you know I, I mean I'm sure there's a bunch of different ways they get out their you know messaging and sales pitch to uh try to get you know, more people on board with season tickets and supporting the team. But I mean, when I'm scrolling Instagram or Twitter and I see the ads, there's Josh Morrissey, there's Adam Lowry, and Nito Niederreiter. Niederreiter just got here at the trade deadline, has one year left on his contract, but he's the one guy that's talked positively and very supportive about the team in the city. Listen, I'm not making light of it. I think it's smart that they're putting a guy like out there that I think has already really endeared himself to Winnipeg fans. But it tells you all you need to know about where this team is at right now. If a guy with one year left on his deal that came at the trade deadline is one of your poster boys for your upcoming promotion for next season, that's where things are at right now.
2: Yeah, and shout out to Nino. I agree. Since he's coming, he said all the right things. That he didn't want to be part of a rebuild, which I think any player would say. What a player is going to come and say, "Yeah, we need to blow it blow up it here. Up. <laughs> we got to stop trying to win." I think it's better if we get a top trade. No player is going to say that. So, I, but he's become a fan favorite right away. So, but you see all those players with uh, you know becoming unrestricted free agents, and you have a question: Are you going to sign these guys long term or not? You have a really do have a really good opportunity if you were going to rebuild. This would be the year. To do it, uh, so it is interesting on how this is going to resolve itself with Pierre Luc Dubois wanting, uh, wanting a trade, and as well the other guys. So that was the first one. It was you know tomorrow. someone going to report. Uh, Connor Halabux informed the Jets uh, he's not not going to sign is that the next one that's going to drop here Huss? could you no, imagine
1: no you know what ray Petkow. um it was i don't think he operates like that and i don't think he would operate like that and to be honest i think the relationship between <laughs> hellebuck and the jets are it, it has really been good like if hellebuck leaves um he, he's already signed a long-term extension with this club and he's been the backbone of this team for the better part of the last six seven years so listen if hellebuck leaves <clears throat> it's because You know, they're sort of at the end of their window and the team is moving in a little bit of a different direction. Now, publicly, they might not want to say they're moving in that direction. And again, a lot of people will overstate this and say that, you know, it's time to get down to the bottom. I don't think that that will ever be a plan of the Winnipeg Jets. Put it this way if the Jets are ever in, sniffing around for the first overall pick, I think that probably means something has gone very poorly. But. As far as the Hellebuck situation goes, I think he's very clearly looking at what's happening. And and to be honest, and we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later on with Sean. I think that that very clear, we are not rebuilding message, as much as it might be targeted at some portion of the fan base, I think it might be directed at players, specifically Connor Hellebuck, more than anybody. Um, But back to your question. I really don't think that we'll hear a lot in the public eye, um, certainly from Hellebuck's agent or the insiders getting it from either side. I think that's something that's kind of happening quietly behind the scenes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if most of what's happening with Mark Shifley is. And I mean, even with Blake Wheeler, and we don't really know how that is going to all shake out. But last year... There was a lot of talk about, you know, Wheeler was on the trade market. And I think a lot of that was trying to, you know, maybe find some more interest or an interested party or two to make a deal happen because we all know um, that they did what they could try to move on from Blake last year. And then we're in a situation where it was going to be very costly and they figured they'd come back with it. I think we all saw with what happened at the end of the season and that final player availability that the time to move on is now. And, I mean, it's a difficult one to do it because of his contract, and you're either buying a player out and paying him not to play for you and go somewhere and sign a league minimum or a cheap deal while he's getting paid by you, um, or you bring him back, and uh, you know, and, and I think as we all know that there could be some problems that go uh, along with that as well. Or if you have a taker, you'd have to eat up to half the salary, which again, even still at that eight plus million dollar number, is uh, is tough. The other thing about all of this with dubois and i mean i'll point this out now but i don't think this is breaking news to anybody um is that the history of how dubois got here and what's happened while he's here and i mean mall said in chat a little earlier i'm very sure we would have signed line a long term if we chose him over the minnesota mafia and pomo uh, phyllis saying line a was our guy when he's in town i was at that game probably half the jersey in the building were line a jerseys he was loved uh, and then you go down to it and uh, a number of individuals saying it's pretty clear right now that the line a trade was an absolute fail. Um, I mean, so far I, it's pretty hard to argue. I mean, I think a lot of the things that they hoped they'd get out of Dubois while he was here did not happen. There was at times he looked great. There was at times he was completely invisible. And to be perfectly honest, the series against Vegas was a, perfect perfect kind of summary of that in game one of that series he looked like one of the most dominant players of the national hockey league and at times took over the hockey game and they beat the team handily that's probably two games away from winning the stanley cup and then in game five i opened my twitter feed and everyone said that this is the repeat of the shift which was of course the way that he sort of sulked his way out of columbus and ended up here in Winnipeg. So. There's so much to this, ream, And honestly, this one is such a polarizing topic uh, because of the history of it. And this trade for Dubois, maybe more than anyone else, um, is the one that I think in a lot of ways people are going to judge Kevin Shevelday off by. Hey, at the end of the day, it's going to be how the team does this year and where they go from this moment. But this trade, whatever happens with Pierre-Luc Dubois, will be remembered in a very different context then a player like a Mark Shifley or Connor Hellebuck who they drafted, they re-signed, they got incredible contributions from for a long time and then presumably moved on at some point for a return.
2: Yeah, like even if you think, you know, having the powerhouse centers down the middle with Shifley and Dubois made them a better team, Patrick Lining was a fan favorite. Everyone had line ages They had so many Laine jerseys made. You can still get them on sale. That's how much of a fan how many years later after the trade. Um, you know, he was a superstar here. You loved watching him score goals. You could make people come out of out of their seats. And, you know, Dubois in the first year was a complete uh, disappointment. He did not, you know, I think both players struggled. I mean there was a lot going on in that year, but he's been up and down. The first half this year, he he looked great. Um, and then, you know, kind of fell off a bit. And you wonder how much injuries played. He said at the end of the season he had a hip issue. we all That's all we know. The Jets, unlike some other teams, declined to reveal any insight to any of their injuries at all, but I think Liney was a fan favorite, seemed to like it here, and Dubois, from the minute he got here, seemed to want out, and I think it, it doesn't matter if you make the team better. Uh, I think people had this affinity for Patrick Liney. He was the Winnipeg Jets draft pick. You, you know, you won the lottery, even if it looks like maybe Matthew Kachuk uh, was, was the best player of that. He was you know, he was the Winnipeg Jets guy, the fans guy, and, and he's gone, and it just seems like, was it all worth it? And you also gave up Jack Rossovic, and you look at the team's uh, you know, inability to kind of replace him you know, in terms of finding anyone who can score in the bottom six the last couple of years. You gave up two guys uh, for Pierre-Luc Dubois, and we'll have to, you know, we'll have to judge you know, that trade based on the return you get here, and you know, the team hasn't really had success uh, I, I said,
1: yeah. listen. After the deal, and I think everyone knows, I was a big fan of Line A, and I hated that <clears throat> it happened. I thought, I thought that Line a had the potential to be uh, a player, basically like a Team Solani type player that didn't get traded before the team left. Um, like a guy that stayed here for a long time and basically was, you know, was the franchise. Um, and I think anyone looking at him probably felt that way. And I think that's probably why some other players had a tough time with that and probably was behind some of the problems that happened in 2019 that ended up deep sixing the entire season as they went in reverse for the final 40 games of the year and then ended up getting bounced in round one of the playoffs after being like second overall at New Year's. Um so yeah i mean there's a lot of people that still don't have a great feeling about it but the one thing that i did say on that and we'll find out obviously what happens on the ice is important but when that trade was made i think if you go back to our shows you know the days afterwards i said this is going to be a trade we'll be talking about forever in this city and it'll be judged on a couple things does but number one does pierre Luc dubois re-sign long term with the winnipeg jets because if not It's going to be an absolute failure. Now that's the way it's looking right now. However, um, you know, if if by, if Kevin Sheveldayoff is able to trade Dubois for a return that people can look at going, well, this is what we gave up originally. This is what we have now. And obviously there's times that go through. They did have some runs that they thought that Dubois would help them. Obviously that didn't, that didn't happen. It didn't, didn't get to the ultimate goal. Um, that that'll be the way people remember it. But, I mean, to be honest with you, this one is just so different than than all the others because of the baggage that is attached and the history that's attached to this asset that is now, for the second year in a row, had his agent publicly go to the media and try and get him out of Winnipeg.
2: Yeah, and you have to wonder, like, if they didn't like the returns for Dubois last year, I mean, what are... It's not like people are going to be offering more for a player who's one year away from free agency. Who, I don't. Does he only want to sign in Montreal? Is that the plan the whole well, time? There was some
1: value to having him last year on the team. I mean, especially if the offers weren't yeah. up to stuff. If they thought they'd get much worse. I mean, that. And I know we all sort of think about things in a vacuum. Um, but much like Truba and the Truba example, I mean. I'm personally glad they didn't trade Truba when he first requested a trade because I'm not sure that team is as good with what they would have gotten for Truba. I mean, what, what, what does that team look like in 2018 and 2019 if Truba's not there? I'm not sure. So there is value with that. And it's important to note. I mean, it's not like they got this asset and have done nothing with it. He has played, and at times he's played well. At other times, he's frustrated the hell out of people watching, knowing that the potential that this guy has, though, at the same time. And now, I mean, his legacy is going to be a guy that was a bit of a flake, that was inconsistent and had a ton of talent. Um, and all anyone's going to remember is that he got traded for Patrick Laine and kept on asking for a trade anytime anyone asked for the last two years plus.
2: Yeah, and I'm already seeing this in chat. We love talking about tribute videos here on the show. Like, What kind of... I remember Evander Kane's reception when he came back from the trade. Like, I, I wonder what it's going to be like uh, next season. Now we're looking too far ahead. He hasn't been but traded. was the but...
1: only guy to ever not get a, a tribute video. You think he would not? He would not. Did Kane get a tribute? I'm assuming he. Was no, there no. One? Kane, Kane was the only guy that didn't get one. Like they weren't even the. He, if you recall that game, that was <laughs> the infamous tracksuit game where. Yeah. You know no, they were taking signs away and guys had like fake money they were taking that away from them when they went into the rink i mean it was complete overkill mm-hmm. and it was so overkill like they didn't even show a vander on the jumbotron that night like at any point in the game and, and and you know what it did it took what was an incredibly charged atmosphere of fans that were there really ready to get behind their team and it turned into a bloody snoozer with absolutely no emotion that the Jets lost. <laughs> I mean, uh, that that decision, and I guess it was principled on they didn't want to get into anything like it, but it certainly didn't help any of the situation that day when it came just to winning and losing. And to be honest, looking back, as bad of the way that it ended with Evander Kane, um, I'm not sure that it was something that... Um, and we see you look back and go, you know what? That was probably the right thing to do. I mean, if anything, I think you should have let the fans lean into it. And uh, Evander probably would have as well, but it would have been very different. And I, I will always remember that game for two things. Just yeah. uh, the how a lot of the air was sucked out of the building. And then Blair Walsh missing the field goal at intermission against the Seahawks, the 20 yard or whatever in the playoffs that made it even a, more of a nightmare for Vikings slash Jets fans that were at the game that day.
2: I was gonna mention the Blair Walsh, Walsh field. I don't remember anything about the game. I think Evander slipped on the puck, or but coming out uh, at the intro, and then yeah, the Blair Walsh field, and it was a snoozer of a game. So I'm, I'm, you know, if, we're, if the schedule hasn't come out, but and this trade hasn't happened, but you know we're this is a show with a lot of discussion, conversation, speculation. I'm, you know, getting kind of charged up here, thinking about what uh, what the return. Is going to oh. be like, but we got a lot of steps to go through. Like we could have like, how many tribute videos could there be next year?
1: They're Hiring yes. another videographer just to yeah. get ready for, for all of it. There's, there's a lot of content. There's a lot of highlights and a lot of guys that might not be jets next year that might be coming back. And yeah, don't even mention the helmet party, please. Um, all right, we're going to bring in Brandon Reynolds is coming up a little later on. We've got lots of time to get to this, but, uh, We will get that logo ready because I have a feeling we're going to hit that once again. Hey, um, just before we get to our our pal Brandon Rewicki... Uh, I might be time for another visit to Modern Man. I think I need a cut and uh, no better place to uh, get your hair cut, fellas, than uh, Modern Man Barber Shops, which are now open with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barber Shops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services and more. You can uh, find out more, book an appointment, and book your look via modernmanbarber.com and follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Shops, eight locations in Winnipeg for Modern Man. Uh, still gorgeous summer weather, a little cooler for the last day or so, which was a nice reprieve, uh, but we're staying hot for the next little while. Summer's here. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge? Visit aquatech.ca. To design your own custom pool, their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And while you're thinking about the pool, whole home rentals start with AquaTech with thousands of rentals as their foundation. Let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. AquaTech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Well, summer's here, and Manitoba Battery keeps on Dropping bombshells on the battery buying experience in Manitoba and Winnipeg. Um, listen, everyone that loves to spend time on the lakes, time to get down for your fishing and trolling motor batteries and check out these options. Your regular 10-inch, 140-minute reserve capacity deep cycle. It's just 105 or a higher quality AGM version of the same 10-inch battery that usually sells for 219 is now on for only 139 50 They've also got a 100 amp hour lithium battery that only weighs 22 pounds for just $5.99, which is a $200 savings. Any way you slice it, Manitoba Batteries got you covered for all your boat battery needs. With the best prices, you'll be shopping local. Hey, it's the most convenient prices in town because they'll deliver it to you anywhere in the city for free. These amazing prices run until June 17th. For more information on the battery blowout sale, go to ManitobaBattery.com or pop down and see them at uh, 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, bombers are back tomorrow officially. Tie cats 7:30. Princess Auto Tailgate opens at 5.30, and when you're there, make sure to check out and get your hands on a couple of Canadian Club and Ginger Rails. CC, of course, is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's actually on sale in six packs right now for less than 15 bucks wherever you get your, uh, your coolers, whether it's at the beer store or at Manitoba Liquor Marts. And when you get there tomorrow, come Thursday, see you at the Rum Hut, Canadian Club, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right. Brandon Rewicki joins us for the latest on, uh, we figured today is episode one, season two, Dubois drama on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What, uh, what's up B?
0: Not much, man. I guess, thankfully, most Netflix series get canceled after two seasons. So let's hope this is uh, episode one, maybe another one, and then we can move on to something else. But, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> PLD watch, Shifley watch all that stuff. It's, I guess it's exciting, but, um, the, the, that's a beauty logo, by the way. If
1: we, <laughs> well, go, we just had to update it. All we needed off. to do is put in a 2023 at the bottom and, uh, yeah. you know, what? sometimes it's nice. You can just recycle things that have come in the past because stop me. But I think we've heard this one before.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we've heard it before. Um, uh, I guess the, the slight deviation is that it's, it's kind of official, it, it was unofficially official for about a year and a half, and now we've got final confirmation here. So apparently apparently, Pat Brisson is going to put on his GM hat here and help out the Winnipeg Jets, which is super nice of him because that's his job. Oh, wait, he's an agent, not a GM. But I, I don't know. I, I mentioned this yesterday because I had to record an episode of Skates and Plates a little bit earlier, and I, I started off the episode by saying you know, blessing in disguise because I can get a bunch of other things done. But that's kind of the theme of this, I think, Hus. that to me, this is a blessing in disguise for the Winnipeg Jets, that they can kind of officially move on from Pierre-Luc Dubois, find a willing trade partner, and all likelihood, somebody that's willing to sign him for six, seven, or eight years. And I think it's a blessing in disguise because it's not the Winnipeg Jets giving him a long-term contract worth seven, eight, eight and a half, nine million dollars per season. Because even, I guess it's the combination of everything, right? But you take into account all the head case stuff with him apparently never being happy in one specific market for a handful of time, but uh, when you take a look at some of the counting stats and and the on-ice stuff that goes along with everything like that, I, I don't know if I would want to be the team that ponies up and feels comfortable having that guy be essentially the face of your forward group for the next half decade or
1: more. Shh, don't tell anyone. He's a franchise player. <laughs> scream <laughs> yeah. it, scream it from the... Uh the rooftops listen he's a confounding guy i mean at times he looks like an absolute beast and a monster and i mean the guy that they were hoping to get when they traded patrick liney and jack ross for him. and we saw that in game one of the playoff series against vegas i mean it might have been the best game i think we've ever seen him play then he was completely invisible or worse visible for all the wrong reasons in a game like game five and there's the good and the bad of it but um i will tell you i i don't disagree that there is risk um, behind a long-term commitment to uh, that player, especially when you think about the way that he's orchestrated his exits from his last two stops in the league.
0: Yeah. And I believe he did it in junior too. Like, you know, tried to oh. force his way out from a different spot. So, I mean, I, a guy, I mean, a person when they, when they show you who they are, you should probably believe them at this point. Right. And I, I, I get that there's potential and all this stuff that, that goes on with them. And you're right. Hus. he was, he was by far the best player on the ice in Game One, and that includes a guy that might win the Conn Smythe Trophy in a handful of days as well. Like Dubois was by far in a in a game in a series where there was a lot of high end talent, the best, most dominant player out there. But this is what has kind of defined him, hasn't it? Is that he was that guy for one out of five games. That that to me isn't worthy of ponying up big money. Um, and a long-term extension and handing them the keys to your franchise. It's just we've seen too often with him that you get that guy 60 to 70% of the time. And, I mean, we can say that you know his potential is to be that guy, but I would argue his potential is equally as much as the guy who in Game 5 had, in my opinion, the shift 2.0, basically <laughs> waving his stick up and down the ice and putting in about 10% effort. I I I don't know. I, I'm not willing to bank on the potential of him being that guy because two other franchises already have been burned by it, and I don't know. I, I think he's just going to be one of those players that ultimately leaves each team that he plays for wanting more and more, but he's just not able to elevate his game to that level on a consistent basis, and ultimately that's what separates the great players from the good to really good players.
1: Yeah, he picked up the torch from Shifley and uh, tag-teaming Rick Bonus into the – verge of uh, heading to the loony bin. Um, But heck, I I, I mean, I mean, the frustration that bones showed afterwards was, I think directly directed at Dubois. Um, And then again, I think taking it back to everything that happened in the, uh, in the season was also Shife. I mean, there is a scenario, I think where this team is in a much better place after moving on from these players. But again, it's what's left after these players are here. And, and, You know, bringing it back to Dubois in this situation right now, one year left of team control, you know, if it gets to July one and he signs an offer sheet with another team, you're getting a first round pick next year, a third round pick next year, and you cannot trade him. Um, you know, if you, if you match the offer, you can't trade him. And he has walked straight to unrestricted free agency. Um, You know, some will say that, well, you know what, a first and a third for that player, not bad. I'd certainly rather have it now than next summer. I mean, lose that player for nothing and have to wait all that time. I mean, that certainly isn't part of what the Winnipeg Jets have been saying that never mind rebuild. I mean, that's just pressing pause on a major asset. And then you're talking about years after the fact. So I don't think that's the way that they're going to go. And to me, Brandon, I think really the only option for the Winnipeg Jets in the short term um, is to do exactly what Brad Treleving did when he got the shiv from Kachuk last year, and that is elect for team-elected salary arbitration for that one final year, knowing that that is what awaits. There will not be any offer sheets, and then they can work on finding the best partner and uh, getting the maximum value they can for the player.
0: Yeah, there's only two options here if, if you're the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, having him unsigned going into July 1 would just be a... Colossal case of ineptitude. You, like you just you can't do that, and, and you're you're bang on there. It's a first and a third, but we also don't know which team could be holding that first round pick, right? Like if it's a decent team, you would imagine that could potentially be a late first round pick, a late third round pick, and you're basically getting just a couple it. of lottery tickets. It's, it's no, I, I don't. I, I've seen some people mention you know maybe Montreal might do that, and do you take the risk of that Montreal pick maybe being top ten? To to me, it's just you're you're, you're holding. Basically nothing in terms of your own future in your hands there. I think the, the best way forward here is to get this one done and get it done by this upcoming draft. Um, and, and team elected arbitration is, is certainly a route to go. I mean, he's getting moved. He's getting moved, and the Jets are going to be getting uh, at least a player back. Who that is, I, I don't know just yet. But there, there really is only one route that this can go. I guess if you're looking at past precedents as well, you know, Pat Brisson has had a few different age or a few different players that he's represented as an agent that have requested trades. And some of those were, you know, sign a deal and then get traded to that team. Um, Jack Eichel being one with Vegas. Uh, and he's had a few other clients that, that are escaping me right now at the moment. But, you know, I, I think Jet JetSense can at least hold some solace in the fact that, A, Chevy's been here before and he's been able to get pretty good value in trades when, you know, by his own doing, he's been backed into a quarter here, but that also Pat Brisson-represented players have been traded and both teams have kind of come out looking pretty rosy in that here. So I, I just I don't really envision a scenario where Dubois is a member of the Jets by the time that at least the Jets make their first selection in this upcoming draft.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, mean, I think everyone would agree. I mean, even if Dubois just said, you know what, I'm signing the qualifying offer and uh, I'm going to be a free agent at the end of the year, You know, at that point, I mean, that's not going to happen. He'd get far more in arbitration, even if he loses the case, I think, based on what the qualifying offer is. But at the same time, you know, it's funny enough, if he actually was here this year on a one-year deal, knowing that he wasn't going to be back here next year and knowing that he was probably going to be traded at a certain point, I think it would actually work out fine with the team. And to be honest, you could almost make an argument that Dubois at the deadline to a contending team that could get him for a third of his salary, even as a rental, might get you at least as much as you might get right now on the open market. And, you know, because the player, like, listen, I think that if, like, if Shifley and Wheeler are back next year, to me, I think that's problematic for where they're trying to go to create a new identity for the team and to move off from this. Dubois, I think, would be able to handle it, no problem. But it just seems like everything points to Something happening sooner as opposed to later. And I wouldn't be, originally, I was thinking maybe that's the one that waits and they continue to be patient, wait, forget their best offer. But it does seem like what happens right now, what we just heard from Darren Drager, who obviously has got a pretty good ear to Chevy, um, is that they're trying to make it very clear that they're open for business. They've got particular wants. They do believe, as most people do, that this guy's a pretty significant asset. And get your offers in right now because the Winnipeg Jets are open for business.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're looking to maximize the return in the trade, you're probably right that the deadline would be the spot where Dubois would get you the most. But if you're having any semblance of being, I guess, both competitive this season, but also completely reshaping the culture, or what was it, restabilizing? That that was the, the, the read was at, right. the that you. The, the other R yeah. word that we went through we all new those one.
1: R words on Monday and we didn't have restabilize. What were we We
0: gotta do one. Yeah, if you want to restabilize, then then I don't think PLD can be a part of the equation moving forward. The other thing too is, and I kind of touched on it there, but like, yeah, he could sign the deal, come to training camp, light it up during the season, gets twenty-two minutes a night, he becomes by far the number one asset at the trade deadline. He could also halfway through the year, decide, yeah, oh, you know what? I don't want to do that. He can also <laughs> like, break his leg. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, injuries are one thing, but I mean, with this guy, can you put it past him to potentially just, oh, yeah, you know, I'll just kind of skate backwards this entire ship. And <laughs> I'm not going to use this yet. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I to, to me, there's just way too much, way too much potential risk involved. I, You might not get the absolute best deal moving him in the next couple of weeks, but I don't think you're you know, selling him for pennies on the dollar or anything like that. You might just lose out on maybe another asset. I think, and I've always liked this too, especially right around the offseason here, and that when there's picks and different things like that being involved, maybe even potentially prospects, get them in the fold early. Like, don't you want to be a year early on this rather than wait for next well, year? Well, I was and just potentially-
1: going to say, I mean, the the concept of like having a team sign a one-year offer sheet and have to hold your nose yeah. and accept it, and it being not even picks this year, picks next year. Um, and I guess the one thing, and when we talk about Montreal, I mean, obviously I think that they're loath to get off of that number five pick with the value that it holds and the talent in this draft. But they do have a second first-round pick that we thought was maybe going to be, you know, in the, in the mid-teens. Well, unfortunately, Florida's gone on this run, and now they're in the cup final. Even at worst-case scenario, it's going to be 31st in the league. So, I mean, that that pick doesn't quite have the value that it might have had before if you're trying to do a deal right now for a pick, and Montreal says the number five pick is an absolute non-starter, which I kind of feel that they probably feel that way. They should, <laughs> if, if they want to say it over. they that. don't. But yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean... Dubois and Winnipeg's first, like, is that enough to jump up to five? Even then, probably not. Uh, the the one thing that's, yeah, I don't know, maybe, but probably not. I don't know. I, we just, it's been what twenty years since we've seen a top top five ish pick traded. I mean, these these are gold even more so than they are in any other sport. Sometimes
1: but. they get picked, they get traded after the fact, and we're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> talking yeah. about yeah. two yeah. of them right now.
0: I was just gonna say, as, as <laughs> we are well aware, they definitely get traded after the fact. But the the, the Montreal discourse about this is so funny to me because – and I I kind of understand it, but the the sentiment seems to be that, you know, Montreal is going to come in with a lowball offer. Like why are they – why is Montreal going to give up anything of value? Well, the reason that they do is if they want the guy. (laughs) Because if they're going to come in with a lowball offer, then we'll ship his ass off to New York or Minnesota. Or, I mean, Arizona would be my preference. I don't think it's going to happen, right? But he gets moved off somewhere else. Like this isn't – we're doing what the player wants sort of a thing here by, by Kevin shovel it's highest package gets, gets the player and whoever that is, we're going to, we're going to take advantage of that. And and that, that to me is why Montreal wants, like if they feel like Dubois is potentially a guy for them, then they go out and they pony up and, and they create the best possible trade proposal. If not, well, guess what? He can very easily go to the New York Rangers. The jets get a good package back. And he says, you know what? The big apple's, Pretty good for me. I'm gonna spend the next seven years of my career here. Well, so uh, what, I Montreal's Montreal doing the lowball thing is just it's an absolute no go whatsoever. Um on on the best of days. And we've seen Chevy. I mean, he's not going to for all of his faults that he has as a GM, he is not going to bow down to the demands of a team or of a player when it comes to talk and trade.
1: No, and uh and listen, I think most people are behind that. Um You know, I mean, listen, I've said this a number of times on the program, but I'll say it again just because you brought it up. I mean, how juicy would it be if uh, Don Sweeney picked up the phone and said, you know what, I think we can sign this guy. He comes in, replaces the great Patrice Bergeron, has a great season, signs long-term, and then sticks it to the Habs, who have been such a central figure in this for the next (laughs) six to eight years. I I really (laughs) hope he'd turn into an incredible NHL star if that happened.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Like, there's that one, which would be hilarious. There's a part of me, I, like, I'm, I mean, we've heard the names uh, from a few different teams here. I think the Rangers make the most sense in terms of the best package for the Jets. But, like, with storylines involved, I kind of want to see him go to Minnesota.
1: Okay, quickly. So, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before already, but I'm listening to Merrick today. And he's talking to Elliot, And, you know, they're talking about this a little bit. And he said, well, you know, I... I know there's a lot of people who think it's Montreal or nothing, but I'm led to believe that there's a couple other places that he actually would be uh, amenable to go. And he said the Rangers, like, what else is new? Everyone seems to want to go to the Rangers. And then he said Minnesota. And, I mean, that one, I, I, I my jaw was on the floor. I'm like, Minnesota? I mean, not that the Wild aren't a good team. They've got some good players. I mean, they're in cap hell for the next two yeah. seasons, which makes any sort of an extension probably quite tough. Um, I don't know if there's any connection. Like, do you have any idea where that Minnesota came from? And I mean, you brought it up as well. Was that just from hearing Merrick mention it? Or yeah. is there, okay, yeah, yeah, that, okay. So you're why, in the same yeah. thing, but I'm like, Minnesota, what?
0: I mean, Minnesota, you can understand it from their side in the sense that they've been after a number one center, I mean, Miku Koivo was the closest thing they had, right? But, like, they've been looking for that guy almost well, their entire it? existence. It, it
1: just sounded like this was coming from Brisson. Like, this was coming from the Doua camp, that that was one of the other teams that they'd sort of be into going. And to me, that was a real head-scratcher.
0: Yeah, I mean, may, maybe he likes the the aspects of the outdoors that Winnipeg has to offer, but Minneapolis has a bigger mall.
1: Like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe he that's... He seems like they, a mall guy. And they've got... Yeah, uh, listen, you, if you think the Home Depot in Winnipeg was good... Wait till you get to some of those big box stores out in the Twin Cities. I think you're yeah. on to something here.
0: Yeah, Legoland. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential extracurricular activities in Minnesota. So I don't, maybe maybe that's what it is there. But there's there's a part of me that would like to see the Jets go up against Dubois on the Wild. Like, you want to officially have the Jets. Like, who's the Jets' rival? Minnesota's been the closest thing to that. The Dubois edition there would like officially cemented as okay, this is. This is our hatred rival for the next half dozen years at the very least. Um, and, I mean, even then, I mean, Minnesota, depending on what you think about Marco Rossi, who's kind of, you know, at least his stock has fallen quite a bit since he was drafted, I think one pick ahead of Cole Perfetti, right? Um, but, I mean, there there's no shortage of prospects with, with Minnesota. Um, and some of those are, you know, if not NHL-ready, pretty damn close to that. So, I mean, in terms of assets, Minnesota makes a lot of sense. Location-wise, it's... Um, yeah,
1: not, not quite up to snuff when you talk about New York, L.A., or Montreal. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, hey, I, I love the Twin Cities, and I mean, I think a lot of people that have been there, I mean, it is it really is a great spot to live in, and um, I, the thing is, I just have no idea what's going on be- between Dubois' head, and, you know, he famously said, oh, I don't even know what I'm having for dinner tonight. I mean, he does seem like a guy that yeah, there might be a few things and just simply like, oh, I'd always love to play at home, but... If anything, this is more, he's just not sticking around here looking to facilitate that as quickly as possible and get onto it as well. The one thing that I will say, and this maybe goes back into some of the impetus for Brisson to try to facilitate a trade right now, and this actually might work in the Winnipeg Jets' favor, is getting him to a team that as part of the deal will be able to talk to him and talk about an extension which would give the Jets more of a return, I think we'd all agree, is the fact that next year's, like for guys like Dubois, and hell, I'll put Shifley in this category as well. If they can get extensions now on their contracts, I think it makes a hell of a lot of sense to do it. Because when you look at the potential free agents next year in the National Hockey League, I know we're all talking about these guys as if they're the only guys available, but if they were UFAs this year, huge demand. UFAs next year compared to the guys that are coming off the books, it is a very, very different story. And I'll give Brisson credit. If that is what he's trying to do to get himself into a situation where the Jets are going to trade Dubois to a team that they can't extend him, I think they probably do quite well on that deal because there is the, obviously there's always the risk in what happens this season. But on top of that, even with the cap going up a bit, there is going to be a ton of free agents and only so many teams. It was so much cap space to sign these guys. And I do think that there is a, a real incentive to get something done sooner as opposed to later for guys like a Dubois like a Shifley that might not be the bell of the ball in 12 months.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting too because the cap is expected to go up in, I mean, a year and a half, two years. So that's a tight balance where, like, do you sign that long-term deal now knowing that, There might be a lot more money in in a short amount of time, but like you mentioned, the the crop that's available. How about
1: Montreal too? I mean, let's talk about the Cole Caulfield deal. I mean, that was just slightly below Nick Suzuki. And much like, you know, the Jets have always thought they've had somewhat of an internal salary cap and Wheeler's the guy, he's the captain. No one's getting more than him. And people thought that might be problematic with signing Patrick Laine. And we all know how that ended up. Um, I do wonder If that is their set, and if Dubois thinking he's going to get eight or nine on a long term deal, is that even available in Montreal? Based on the way that they're building their team and what we've seen right now for a guy that earned an eight year extension from the squad that he actually plays for in Caulfield,
0: it's kind of it's 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 always funny to be the teams that have these internal salary struct quote unquote salary structures because it was Detroit until there's somebody better. Well, yeah, well, you know why Detroit did that because they had Nick freaking Lindstrom, like the second best defenseman of all time. So they are like, oh, you think you're better than this legend beside it?" right? Like, it's a little different. I mean, Nick Suzuki's a great young player, but man, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that if, I, if I put up you know, 75, 80 points that I can't get more than $8 million because Nick Suzuki is getting just a little bit below that. Uh, certain teams can get away with it. I don't know if Montreal is is one of those teams, but I guess if you're the Jets too, though, your, your main hope is that, PLD isn't restricting himself to just, you know, one to three teams that he's willing to sign an extension for, right? Like you're hoping that it's, hey, I'd be willing, I'm I'm, I'm open to hearing from seven to eight teams, which, which could be very realistic, right? I oh, mean, yeah. there's a ton of great markets. I mean, even, I, I wonder too, and again, Dubois, Shafley, to me, they're almost interchangeable in terms of of where you send these guys. But like, I, I wonder about a Colorado where the Avs, you know, I mean, we'll have a ton of cap space, assuming Landeskog's going to be out for all of next season. Massive hole down the middle for them there at two center. Um, like, I, I wonder if either of those guys make a lot of sense to a team like the Avalanche. And if you're Dubois, and maybe you hadn't given that much thought before, wow, well, hey, playing in Colorado might not be too bad uh, in terms of winning trophies right off the bat. But also, you know, Denver's not too bad of a place to live as well. So. There, you, you, just, you just, I think from a Winnipeg perspective, you just don't want to see things be too simplistic in the sense of it's Montreal and New York and that's it because your leverage gets shot down right away. Hopefully, Pat Persona is able to do Chevy a bit of a solid here and at least expand the market to the point where the Jets can get somewhat of a bidding war going and somewhat of a decent package coming back for the guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, like, I... I mean, we've talked about Laine and the connection, and I know that's going to be... I, every time we talk about this until it's done, Patrick Laine's name is going to come up, and we can't forget about Jack Rossovic, because, I mean, it was such a price that was paid to get this guy here. Um, and to me, more so than Helly, even though Helly's probably the number one asset, more so than Shifley, more so than anybody on this club, this is the one that Chevy will always be remembered for and and judged by in a lot of ways. And this is a there's an element of needing to save face with this one, to be honest. And Hey, listen, if they'd gone and won a cup or gone to the cup final or been this awesome team for the last few years, and were then forced into it, I think there'd be a lot more, um, there'd be a lot more give maybe for them with the situation that they're in right now. But when you consider what was risked, what was given up, it really does, Brandon. Kind of complicate things and put way more pressure for this deal in particular. Although there's a lot of pressure on everything that happens on the GM right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, he it was it was a bet on the core, right? That that his core group of guys would be able to get it done, and, and he was wrong. You know, they 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 weren't good enough. Despite that one season, although you know, Lining was a part of that. You know, for the most part, this team was just kind of doomed to fail with the leadership that they had at the helm. So. It's interesting putting it in that viewpoint, because if if that's the case, I don't think Chevy's going to get the deal that he wants. Like, I, I just.
1: That's part of the reason is, why I think it's taken this long. I think that yeah, ask, it, like, uh, like it's not like this is the first time they've ever talked trade about Dubois. I mean, this has been going on for a while, but why it hasn't been. I mean, I think that this deal, or at least the way that they felt, they might not be able to get it at the end. Um, but they really needed to hit an absolute home run on this one, if not the others, but this one in particular because of the history that comes along with this player.
0: Yeah, and I i mean, out of the the three trade assets for the Jets, I, I think he's got the least value right now. I mean, Hellebuck to me is the number one trade guy on the market right now, and I think Shifley has to be ahead of Dubois just simply because of the salary, right? Like at six mil, and if the Jets, I mean, it would be pretty yeah, he's creative. He's already signed Jets, for next year. Yeah, if if they retain a little bit on that as well, I mean, come on. Having a guy with all his deficiencies, sure, but puts up points the way that Shifley does at 4 or $5 million. it's I mean, it's a massive win for whatever team acquires him there. So, I mean, Dubotomy me has the least amount of value out of all three of those guys. I, I just don't know if you're going to get the exact trade that you want if you're Chevy. And I, I think this is a situation, too, where you can't really afford to be patient. Like, you can't play the waiting game on a bunch of these guys, if not all three of your big trade chips here. So who that's going to be, I mean, I, I don't think if you're Chevy, you can necessarily look at it like that. It's just, quite frankly, got to be, we got to get the best package available. If it's one guy, great. If it's a handful of assets, that's fine too. But don't try to pigeonhole yourself into thinking, you know, I traded away Lion A, now I've got Dubois here. I, I, like, if you try to go down that route, I think you might end up getting burnt pretty badly. And I think if you're Winnipeg in this situation, it's, you know, follow the Minnesota path, rip off the Band-Aid, say goodbye to the guys that were here before, and then you just have to start, start anew because it's, it's kind of a sunk cost at this point, right? So you've just got to make the best out of the situation that the Jets have put themselves in.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll say this. As much as we're obsessing over what's the return going to be, the best thing for this club and I'll put Hellebuck out of this question, out of this equation for a minute, because I think a majority of fans would be very happy if he stayed and was here long term, along with whatever risk you want to put to that of a goaltender later on. But regardless of what comes back, a turnover of the identity of this team is going to be popular with the vast majority of fans of the Winnipeg Jets. It is long overdue, it needs to happen. And uh, and I think that if these moves are made, it will almost immediately give a big shot of energy into, um, into a fan base, into an organization that really needs to re-engage with a bunch of people and try and get them on board to uh, be part of the direction of this team going forward that you know, confidence has waned a little bit as they've just gone back to it and back to it with some guys that um, you know seem to have one foot out the door right now
0: yeah that's always been the ironic thing about all this to me is is how the jets have this focus of we have to stay competitive we have to that's the only way that we're going to bring people into the seats and and have them watch the games and this is the only way we're going to sell tickets when it's almost the opposite of that to an extent like i think so many fans would be jacked to watch a bunch of young guys work their ass off this upcoming season right like just to have an, an an influx of of new faces of of youth, of energy, just things like that. I, Guys that want to me, be
1: here. Yeah, I mean, like, it. Think about Nino Niederreiter is like the most popular Jet right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been here for like two months of the season, five playoff games, does a couple interviews saying that, oh, you know what? I think people underestimate Winnipeg. It was great. I'm looking forward to it. And next thing you know, he's the guy that you're seeing on your feed when you see an ad for season tickets.
0: Yep. That. Yeah, I mean, Jets fans aren't asking for a whole lot, I don't think, right? it's just like have have players that aren't being forced to be here and i i think look i think they're going to get a ton of that although you know to an extent there are going to be guys forced to be here um you know people on elcs don't have a choice about where they go right now so but that that to me works in the jets favorites who they should be targeting all along here uh guys with a bunch of you know if you bring if
1: you bring those young players into a dressing room With a leadership group that truly embraces being Winnipeg Jets, not basically makes people feel like you're lucky that we're willing to be Winnipeg Jets, and gives off that vibe of appreciation of the support they get from the fans and sort of diving in and being a little bit more a part of the community, that goes a long, long way. And. listen, a guy like Wheeler's done a lot of community, you know, some charity stuff in the city. But you know what I'm saying? It's a little different. It's about guys kind of really buying in. And we saw a bunch of that early on when the team came from Atlanta. Guys were, I mean, they couldn't believe the support that they had. And that really created a connection. Um, But under this regime that's sort of taken over from the Paul Maurice era, led by Blake, that that feeling has not been the case, I think, with the vast majority of fans, and there are ways to turn that around, and I think that makes a big, big difference when people are making their decisions whether they're going to come back, whether their company's going to be buying tickets. Um, and I think it these these changes are needed in so many levels from a hockey standpoint, from a dressing room standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, literally tick off every single box. That's where I'm sitting at, Brian.
0: yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's a hundred percent correct. And you know that that's why i and i I think there is a path for this team to reload potentially and then be competitive next season. but it's it's been the aversion to the rebuild that's always been a little perplexing to me because. Like you said, I, I just think there needs to be change.
1: Well, never mind Yeah, about. I don't think it's an aversion to rebuilding, like by most people's definitions of stripping it to the studs and yeah, building yeah, yeah. it back up. It has been the aversion to move on from guys that, you know, had I mean, listen, when I started talking about the potential of trading uh, uh, Shifley two years ago, I mean, with that contract, what, what would a Shifley deal have gotten the Winnipeg Jets at that point? I mean, a guy that's a consistent top point a game player, a top center, especially when you had gotten Dubois and would have had the opportunity for him to be that number one guy. Now, listen, it might not have made you as good. I mean, you don't know what the, what the return is, but I guarantee the return would have been better than what they'll get right now with one year left on the contract. And there also would have been, just in the personality of the team, some addition by subtraction. But again, Sometimes, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, dancing with the one that brought you and Shifley's been brought them and was a huge part of going by there, and I understand why maybe it was hard to do it. But in retrospect, I mean, I think we can all agree that if a couple of these things had happened earlier, this team might not be at such a crucial fork in the road right now than, uh, than they are.
0: Yeah, I, I I can't disagree with that. Unfortunately, we are where we are, so we, we got to figure out a way to get out of this one, but and I can almost understand too, you know, some of the the betting on 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 the core because they had gotten you to the West final. Yeah. Um, and then there was like I, I understand parts of how the Jets got to where they are right now. And I don't think Chevy is to blame for all of that, but there certainly was a lack of recognition that this just wasn't gonna work, I think specifically over the last two and a half years. And and to me, last year was the time, like the perfect time. To, to bite the bullet and go in a different direction. Uh, but they missed that. And and so we're, we're, we're at where we're at right now. And I still think, you know, the Jets are kind of fortunate just with the way the free agent market's playing out and with the way the cap is a little bit more flat and the, the trades and everything like that, that they they might still luck out and, and get some pretty solid returns for these guys, even though they might have got slightly better ones the year prior to that. But I think, too, you know, on top of that, you know, having guys like Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey essentially be the new face of your leadership group, I think that's a great way to get to the mindset that you were talking about there, Huss. Yeah. These, are, these are guys that that clearly love to be here, signed. I mean, Lowry forego UFA status to sign a long-term deal here. I mean, those are the kinds of guys that I think you could put in front of the rest of the team out there in the community and things like that and, and know that they're legitimately proud to be Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, those and guys need to be the forward moving
1: forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and they need to be the culture carriers for this team. Yeah, um, Brandon, uh, I guess you guys are still in waiting mode. All the best to you and the uh, the fam, and I guess we'll we'll wait to see when the next skates and plates comes out, <laughs> depending on what happens in other aspects of life. Uh, all the best to you and the family, buddy. Yeah, I
0: appreciate that. There's one one came out this morning. The episode came out this morning. So um, when the next one is, stay tuned. Maybe Tuesday, but <laughs> Who the
1: hell knows anymore? We'll, we'll, we'll figure it all out. We'll figure it out. Thanks for doing this, dude. Um, folks, um, subscribe to Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite pods, and uh, make sure you give Brandon a follow on Twitter, at Brandon Rewicki. We're just getting going on this. Sean Reynolds joining us in just a couple of minutes. i got to give a shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, who, of course, you know, have great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too. Barbecue season's in full swing. It is the place to get Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And with Father's Day around the corner, men's health is top of mind. Garden of Life has created some unique formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's. Both contain 50 billion beneficial bacteria to support men's gastrointestinal health. Uh, seven Winnipeg locations, Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. You can also shop online at myvita.ca with local delivery options. Um, folks, how you, if you have needs when it comes to fencing and overhead doors, uh, only one place to go, and that is the uh, kings of the industry, Wallace and Wallace, who've been serving Winnipeg since 1946 if you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one give them a buzz for vinyl ornamental welded wire chain link or wood fences and if it's time to replace your garage door they've got winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors a quick call to 452-2700 and their team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate you can also check them out online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on lawson road off of Keniston. Folks, wedding season is here. How How's the fit looking? Do you still fit into it? Guys, if you need to upgrade your menswear, you need to get on down to F Apparel for spring and summer with custom suits beginning at $400, bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party, talk to them about a 15% discount for the entire crew when you get your suits at F. And if you got a high school grad this year, pop on down, get him a new suit, and they'll include a free custom shirt and tie. F Apparel is at 190 Smith Street. You can make an appointment or find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And, hey, it's hot. Summer's here. No better time to head down to the Nick and Nicky DQ for uh, all those great summer blizzard flavors and maybe grab a couple boxes of their world-famous ice cream treats to take home and stick in the freezer. Four locations. For our friends Nick and Nikki, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ Saint Anne's, DQ Niverville. Pop by today with the fam and get on those blizzards and tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right, we will get to the Bombers and Gold Eyes in a minute. Of course, Bomber home opener tomorrow. Cannot wait for that. Fishback in action tonight. But right now, let's continue the uh, season uh, season two premiere of Dubois drama. With our guy, Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet. Welcome to the season premiere of uh, season two of Dubois Drama on Winnipeg yes. Sports Talk. What's going on?
3: Oh, I, you know what? For me, the way I see this, I had uh, uh, one of my mentors in my career who people, if they listen to Winnipeg Radio, will may know the name Pat Canuga. He's the, the producer of the CBC Morning Show. You'll hear him pop on there. Uh, every once in a while, I remember being a younger reporter and going and pitching an idea to him in the CBC newsroom. And it was an idea that had been done before. And he said to me, you know, it's called news, not olds. Right. And to <laughs> me, this is just that. It's like it's come around. And it's like I, it's it's that same story repackaged and repurposed. And, you know, the agent is saying he wants a trade. Well, tell me something I don't know. And the agent is saying he's not going to sign here long term. Tell me something I don't know there there's nothing new to this other than the fact that there may have been some updated conversations in which the same thing has happened. The Winnipeg Jets are going to try to hold the line as long as they can, as long as they've got team control over Pierre-Luc Dubois, which is running out and every day they hold on to him, their leverage shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And on the other side of th- things, Pierre-Luc Dubois and his camp are going to continue to say we are not staying in Winnipeg. You're going to lose us eventually. You might as well lose us now and get what you can to maximize your return. But it it really is a rock and a hard place for the Winnipeg Jets because nothing's changed here in the idea that, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois writes his own ticket. The reason you're the Winnipeg Jets and you want to move pierre Dubois is because you don't want to lose him as an unrestricted free agent next year for nothing. So you need to find a team that he wants to go to and will lock him down long-term to get the kind of long-term uh, uh, assets back that you would want but the fewer teams that are involved in that the fewer competition the less competition the less the price is going to be able to go up and, and if it ends up being just the Montreal Canadiens, like we are we're hearing rumblings about certain teams elsewhere but I still think it hangs in the air that his preferred destination is probably Montreal to the point that maybe he'd possibly consider other places but probably has his heart set there if you're the Montreal Canadians you don't need him right now, you could wait for him until next year, and that just puts the Jets in an absolutely terrible spot. I don't look around the league very often and see a team with as little leverage as the Winnipeg Jets have in this situation. They are in a tough, tough spot, and this news just uh, takes that a little further down the road.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, this isn't really new for Kevin day off. I mean, this is very similar to Jacob Truba, and the fact that Jacob Trouba's uh, representative said the only team we're going to sign long-term you go. with is the New York Rangers. What's sort of missing from this, though, um, and again, we assume that Montreal would love nothing more to have Pierre-Luc Dubois, but again, like where they're at with their contracts, with their team, the youth of their team... You're right, there isn't that level of urgency. Although, if you do have plans long-term to have this guy in, there is risk involved in letting him go to another team. I mean, I've said I mean, as a Jets guy, there's nothing I'd love to see more than the Jets pull off a trade that helps their team with the Boston Bruins and him go and love Boston and then end up sticking to Montreal for the next eight years, but that's a bit of a dream scenario. But there is a lot that goes in. But, But Before we even get to potential landing spots or what the Jets are looking for and how this plays out um, billick was on yesterday and did make a good point about the possibility of an offer sheet which would be uh, a first and a third next year um, which certainly doesn't help the Jets with you know staying as competitive as they can right now if you lose him um, and of course Kenny had his piece in sportsnet.ca and people should check that out it's a good read um, on on the situation to me I think the most logical next step for the Jets unless something happens very quickly is to file for team elected arbitration, much like the Calgary flames did last year with Matthew Kachuk when they were informed that uh, he wasn't interested in signing a deal.
3: Yeah, it makes sense to me uh, to do that. You know, that you got to take whatever kind of control you, you can take and the jets are losing control. That's one of the places that they still have a little bit of control. I, I don't know how, uh, I I I mean to to be honest at this stage if the Jets were to get a first and a third back I I don't think that that would be that bad of a return I'm sorry it sounds I know there's going to be people who are frustrated by that but where we are right now there's the potential for them to get absolutely nothing uh or move him next season uh at the trade deadline and try and get back what you can for rental prices which I think would probably be somewhere in that neighborhood as well. Again, I just think the the scenario by which you're looking at this here is – I think that he's just got a a very small, small amount of teams that he would consider going to and maybe that you can take the S off the end of that and one team he's considering going to, which which again just means that if you're in this situation where a team is thinking, okay, we're going to throw an offer sheet out, you want to make that offer sheet worthwhile, so you're probably going to throw six to seven to eight years there's probably only a small amount of teams that Pierre-Luc Dubois would say, okay, I'm ready to go to that team for that amount of time.
1: And this is why I don't see, I mean, I can only imagine it's a one-year offer sheet because here's the thing, the Jets match. Like if he right. actually signs an offer sheet that's multi-years exactly. with somewhere else the Jets thanks for doing our work for us we're yeah. matching this. So I, it, I I don't think that's a possibility. To me it's the one near. year deal. It's only one um and the thing is that if someone signs into a one year deal and the Jets match it, they can't trade him at any point next year. And that is what really handcuffs Kevin off in that situation, which is why I think the only thing they can do is apply for the team-elected arbitration and then take it from there. But I, I, all roads lead to some sort of a move before the first of July, and most likely the first round of the draft when we'll all be down in Nashville.
3: Well, and I think this is just another situation where the Jets, you know, we we know how they operate. We know that Kevin Cheveldayoff usually doesn't like to get well. No one likes to get bullied, but it it seems like Kevin Cheveldayoff has established over the course or the tenure of his uh, GM. Candidacy with the with the Winnipeg Jets that he's not gonna be pushed around and he's gonna hold on and he's gonna pull every lever that he has at his disposal to keep a player around for as long as he can and then move them on his terms. And he's he's done that to great success. I mean, if you take a look back <clears> how <throat> what he got for Evander Kane after Evander Kane had been wanting out of town for a number of years, when it came to be an untenable situation that he had to move him, he got something back for them in that situation. But this just looks to me like a situation in which that, that patience uh, that, you know, maybe we could say stubbornness that we'll see from Kevin Sheveldeoff where, you know, you're not giving me what I want. So I'm not going to move the guy. I do think this is going situa- to be a situation where you look back and you say, after this is all wrapped up and said and done, you know, the Jets would have been better off to trade him last summer when everyone expected him <clears throat> to be traded last summer. When I think Pierre-Luc Dubois expected to be traded last summer, this is going to be one of those situations where Kevin Shevoldov said, Nope, I don't like what I'm offered. I'm not going to move him unless I get what I want. Uh, and in the end, he's. Probably not going to get what he wants out of this situation. This is something that probably should have been acted on before this. Their leverage in the situation gets less and less with every day. Uh, it's it, you got you got, I, I hate to say it, but basically, what's out there? I think you got to move them for. I know people don't like that. I think Kevin Chevel Dayoff would probably listen to me saying that and be like, "Well, this is why this guy is is you know in." Journalism and not a GM, and he's probably right uh, if he's saying that. I just have this feeling that the best return for uh, for Pierre-Luc Dubois was left on the table at a time in the past.
1: Well, and and listen, I mean, we can't overlook (laughs) the elephant in the room, what the Winnipeg Jets paid to get Pierre-Luc Dubois here. And, I mean, unless – and this is part of the pressure that's on Chevy right now. And, I mean, listen, it's a much bigger picture than just one player – But when you talk to Winnipeg Jet fans about Pierre-Luc Dubois, they remember how he got here. They remember trading Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic to get him here. Um, And listen, center ice is a hugely important position. And at times, not enough, but at times Dubois was a dominant player that showed. I mean, game one... We saw what he can be. That was exactly the player they were hoping to get. Game five, he was completely invisible, and they slumped out of the playoffs. But the but the legacy of this deal all comes back to Patrick Liney. And when you're making moves like this, Sean, I mean, building a team certainly is a big part of it, and getting the best assets and you know building your club is is probably the majority of it. But there is absolutely more so in this case than maybe any other trade that they'll make an element of PR to it because people know how we got here. And um, unfortunately that started with, in a lot of ways, um, telling Patrick line that that, uh, you know, uh, I- I- if there was a battle within the club, he was the one that lost out and is now a member of the Columbus blue jackets and getting ready to say hi to Mike Babcock. And we're sitting here with a guy that has basically been trying to get out for the last two years.
3: Yeah, if Kevin Cheveldayoff was thinking that maybe with a couple of years and Patrick Laine being gone that people would forget about that whole situation, I've got bad news for him. <laughs> that's not going to happen this is the seeds of in in my opinion mismanagement that were sh- sown years ago that are finally coming to fruition the 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 Winnipeg Jets in this situation right now and I know Jets fans don't like it and they don't like to the feeling or someone saying that the Winnipeg Jets are getting what they deserve out of this but the Winnipeg Jets are very much getting what they deserve out of this they had a player in Patrick Lyonnais who came to Winnipeg the up, people can say whatever they want about Patrick Liney and the hockey that he's played since he's gone to Columbus. This was a guy who scored 44 goals uh, as a 19-year-old, so we know the ceiling that exists there. The Winnipeg Jets had this player, and that player had said from the very beginning he wanted to be a Winnipeg Jet for a very very long time for his career he liked it here he wanted to be around and by the end he didn't and that was one of the things that always kind of drove me nuts about the fans I got really angry at Patrick Liney when he came out and said that he didn't want to be in Winnipeg anymore that he wanted to move on I get it people get mad you don't want to be in my city well then get the heck out of here but I think what those fans weren't looking at was how did a player that wanted to be a lifelong Winnipeg or a career long Winnipeg jet. How did a player like that go from that to wanting out of town and what were the problems? I see this as a situation where the mismanagement that I talk about is I still remember when Patrick Lione was traded and I didn't like the way that Kevin Shevel Dayoff talked about it when the trade was made. Like, there wasn't this much of a... It, it, it didn't seem like we had this special kid who came in here. It was kind of like they were happy to get him out. They were kind of, you know, almost laughing him out of town. I got the same feeling from Maurice. He got the, you know, Blake wheel roll. Maybe I could have done things a little bit differently. Right down to the when he returned, the video that they played, the first time that he returned, did not give the service to him that he had... Earned with his time yeah, it was in like Winnipeg. Ben
1: Sherratt coming back. It,
3: it was <laughs> it was not well done. It was not well done. It just showed of an organization that had was you know this bitter kind of relationship with them. And the way I see it, this is how I see it from the stories that I was told of what happened in that dressing room and what was going on. The Winnipeg Jets chose a leadership core and a coach because this happened under Paul Maurice's tenure. Uh, Paul, Patrick line falling out of love or maybe getting to a position where he felt like he wasn't welcome or didn't like how he was treated in this, in this team and wanted to leave. That happened under Paul Maurice's tenure. And it happened under the leadership of players like Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, Blake Wheeler essentially addressed it on his way out the door, but the Winnipeg jets chose that coach and those players over a, a, a phenom that wanted to be in Winnipeg for a long time and now look what we're seeing here that coach isn't here anymore and it very much looks like that Winnipeg uh, Jets leadership group is on its way out the door that was the choice that was made to get Pierre-Luc Dubois here a player who came in and probably never wanted to be in Winnipeg for a player that wanted to be in Winnipeg long-term. This is mismanaged. It was mismanaged within the organization years ago. It was mismanaged in the dressing room years ago. And what we are seeing today, as frustrating as it is for Jets fans, you can place this directly at the feet of the people within this organization and why they are in the jam they are today.
1: Yeah. You know what? And, and to be honest, I mean, the general manager is the one guy that's not in that room, but I think you name the, uh, uh the, the culprits, uh, if you will. I mean, listen, Paul Maurice, the guy that, you know, is the run the team. And I I've said it a million times before. I mean, I think he was almost at times like an absentee parent in that room. He basically, Hey, Blake Wheeler, here are the keys you're running things. And, um, it was very clear that things weren't, weren't going very smooth and whether that was jealousy that a young guy can come in and immediately become the most popular player on this team and score the way that he did. It certainly didn't seem like when he was struggling, that he had the sort of support that any team would expect a number two overall pick at that young age that had done so much to get. And I still think back, Rennie, I mean, We can talk about the St. Louis series and what happened in the second half of 2019, which is where this all happened when things went rotten in that room and with this team and the results showed on the ice. But if you go back to that 2019 series against St. Louis, there were two guys that stood out to me, Dustin Bufflin and Patrick Laine. And then fast forward to next year. The first game of the season, what happens? Well, Liney's the first star. He scores the overtime winner, three points. And that's the last time Jet fans ever saw him play for the team. And um, yeah. unfortunately, I'll say this about the Dubois pick, and we'll kind of bring this back to Pierre Luc because that's kind of why we're talking about this right now. Yeah. I do understand why they were attracted to Dubois. Um, You know he is a player that if they felt they needed to make a move or exp you know explore a move, to be able to put together centers like Shifley and Dubois. I mean certainly on paper that is uh, that looks really good and gives you a chance to go head to head with a number of the top teams in the league. And I think they really did feel like that maybe gave them the opportunity to uh, to win and beat the top teams in the league. However. Um, the price that you paid. I mean, there is so much that goes into a deal like that with risk, and people have long memories. And that's why when we get to this point, I mean, bringing it right now to 2023, um, listen, there's pressure to get the most for Hellebach, any of the deals that he makes. I mean, this team really does feel like it's at a bit of a crossroads, but it's hard to forget the baggage that comes with this entire Dubois saga from the day that he got here and the guy that they gave up to get him.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know where else to go with it other than the fact that, uh, I mean, the one thing that is the biggest tragedy out of all this is I do think as an organization, the Winnipeg Jets do really, really value people who want... To be in Winnipeg, right? And that's the thing that they messed up is in the end, I think we may look at this and be like, there may not have been a player in Winnipeg Jets 2.0 history that was as invested in being in Winnipeg and staying in Winnipeg as Patrick Laine would have been had, you know, he felt comfortable within that dressing room. Now, I do want to make sure that I touch on this because from the conversations that I've had from sources within the room, I will say this over the years, Uh, it it sounds like there was, you know, a a lot of efforts to bring – Patrick Lyne towards the culture of the team. Now you could talk about the culture of the team and where that culture has taken them. And maybe there was a reason he was fighting that culture or being assimilated into that culture. But I will say that outside of the leadership group, I've talked to a number of players and a lot of players didn't have a problem with the things that happened to try and bring Patrick Lyne a closer to, to that culture of the team and be more of a, a member of that team. The one thing that I'll always stand, stand out and talk about in this situation, and, and a lot of people will disagree with me on this, and that's fine. They should. I just think Patrick Laine showed that he had all of this talent and whether or not he was kind of walking the path that the Winnipeg Jets wanted him to. He was getting results and whether or not he was walking the path the way they wanted, I always look back on this, and I think he was a young man. He was a kid, right? Now, I think we look at this, and we think these guys are professionals. You know, they make all this money. There's no excuses here or there. If you walk in and you're talented enough to play in the league, it's an 18-year-old. Forget it. You're not a boy. You're a man, and move on. I don't know about you, Hus. I was a complete and total idiot when I was a 19-year-old. Complete and total. I was probably continued to be an idiot till I was in my mid-20s. My I couldn't figure things out. I made tons of mistakes. I think that that's what your late teens and your early 20s are for as you try to figure out life. I do think the one thing that was missing in all of this, even if hockey culture was trying to pull Patrick Laine back into a situation and some... meeting out severe justice or somewhat severe justice to try and bring him back to the team culture is something that we usually see in hockey culture I think you needed to look at this situation be like this is a young man who shows tremendous upside tremendous talent maybe let's just acknowledge the fact that he's a young man and don't expect him to do the things that 30 year old men are doing in that room and just try and figure out a way to work with what you work with. We see it all over the league, Hus. when you've got uber talented players who can do things that other players don't, there's a level of patience that exists with those players to try and get them to figure it out and get to where you want them to go. I just think that that patience wasn't there and whether it was through the coach or the leadership group, or maybe the GM or right throughout the organization. I just think that that was a miss. This was a young man with ridiculous eyes, Upside, I think there needed to be an acknowledgement he was a young man and try and figure out a way to slowly bring that young man into being a man that does the things that you want them. To. They sure had patience for Dubois yeah (laughs) that's a great point I never thought about it that's a great point there you go
1: so here we are right now now let's talk I mean we could easily just get into Montreal and talk about you know what the because listen I do think it is somewhat of a staring match I mean I'm pretty sure Kevin Cheveldeoff has said listen this is our price for Pierre-Luc Dubois and it probably is the same way that goes back to Evander Kane but we'll trade you no problem if it makes our team better Sorry, I'm not getting an offer that I feel makes our team better right now. So, Evander, you're still a Jet until they had to do it. Well, now they have to do it. Uh, it, It's very clear. If we're talking about Montreal, I I mean, I think Suzuki's obviously off the table. That goes back to last summer. They've got him signed long-term. And he, in some ways, is sort of the ceiling of seemingly an internal salary cap with Montreal after Caulfield's deal this year. So, I do wonder... Um, how that affects Dubois. If he's thinking that he's going to be getting eight, nine, 10 million, not to mention they've got Slavskowski. If you project Montreal's cap into two or three years, even if it goes up, it gets, it gets a lot more tricky Um, to me. Kirby doc right now, there's three years left at just over 3 million. He's an RFA at the end. I mean, that would be a piece the Winnipeg jets would look to. Um, And I'm sure there'd be talk about a first round pick. Now, um, if that fifth overall pick was put on the table, I imagine that deal gets done pretty quickly. Oh, Certainly God, if yeah. I'm Kevin Sheffield, if I jump on that, oh, I yeah. don't think Montreal is interested in doing that. So, you know, the back and forth right now with the Montreal Canadians is one thing. And then you hear about some other teams. And as I mentioned, I believe you before, either before we got on or, or now, uh, Jeff Merrick earlier today had said that, you know, Montreal is always thought to be the prime destination, but, the New York Rangers would be a team that he'd potentially like to go to. And Minnesota, too, which was a kind of, to me, a bizarre team. I mean, certainly with their cap situation. Um, but we'll take it for what it's worth. Maybe this is even coming from the Jets um, because the one thing that will help Kevin Shevolday off right now is having a few more suitors involved. And I'll say this about Dubois he is at least like what he brings to the table. If he is engaged and committed, and he is, of course, playing for a long-term deal next year, regardless of who he plays for. There are teams that might feel that they are close to winning a Stanley Cup that would take a cha- a chance on a player like that for one year. I mean we see what teams do at the deadline to get players in and the chances are that he could be like for instance if he's on his qualifying offer it's just over 6 million. If his team elected arbitration it's probably maybe around 7 or something like that. But I mean that's sort of what we're talk the number that we're talking about but No, regardless of where this information is coming from, it's pretty clear that what what will help the Winnipeg Jets get the best return for Dubois is having more teams involved in this this bidding process. Now, Ken brings up a great point in his piece today that, you know, allowing Pat Brisson to potentially be involved in brokering a deal might also be to their advantage. And I'm sure they don't want to normally get involved in that, but... I think we'd all agree that if there is a team that has a deal ready to go with Dubois that keeps him there long-term, I think their willingness to pay more of a premium for a player like Dubois would be in the Jets' benefit.
3: Yeah, I, I think Ken uh, brought up a great point there, right? Like if you're Kevin Shevel day off and, he, you know, you've got this working relationship with Pat Brisson that is essentially, you know, Brisson has just been like talking to a brick wall. he's moving these last couple of years. There's nothing you're going to do about it. He's not staying. Don't bother negotiating. We're moving him out the door. Having him go and advocate for you and find that, you know, these are the places that if he calls you up and says, this is where Pierre-Luc would enjoy being for a long time. So if you want to talk long-term, let's talk long-term and then let's turn around and see what you'd be willing up to give from long-term. I I will say this about the point that you made about teams that, uh, that would, take him for one year to see okay well maybe we're in a position to try and win a cup this year the fly in the ointment when it comes to that is that those teams probably if they want him for a Stanley Cup run probably don't want him to the trade until the trade deadline right because if you're loading up to try and win a cup you don't want his salary on the books for the entire year you want to pick him up at the trade deadline and then at that point you only have to pick up a third of his salary you get to fit in more players so if you you really are looking at him as a pure rental you don't want to rent him for the whole year you want to rent him for at the trade deadline for the last third of the year because that's going to allow you to maximize your salary cap and put the best team on the ice so th- this is just another one of those things I think that works against the Jets that you may have a number of teams that okay. Pierre-Luc Dubois would maybe be interested in going to teams that would give you know a significant asset or a number of assets to get him to try and win that cup this one year. But those teams are probably saying to shovel day off. Well, either you got to like take some money off the books or something like that to make it work right now, or let's talk again uh, around the trade deadline because we're willing to take a, take this player on, but we're not willing to take that cost on for the entirety of it. And let's be honest, if we get down to to that point Uh, at the end of the season where we do want to pick up a guy. We don't think he's going to be the only fish in the sea. So this is just another one of these situations where every time I look at the way this situation lines up, it seems everything lines up against the Winnipeg Jets. They're holding a two. Uh, Pat Brisson is holding nothing but wild cards and aces and all the rest of the teams around the league are holding some pretty high cards in this situation if they want to make this trade. I I just keep going back to this. Uh, I I wonder if we're going to see the Winnipeg Jets get to a stage because they keep having, and that's another conversation. I'd like to say something about it before the show is over. But the idea that the Winnipeg Jets are keep just wanting to move, like they want to move Pierre-Luc Dubois and get Pierre-Luc Dubois back. They want to move Mark Shifley and get Mark Shifley back. They want to compete right now, and they want to send their problems to other teams and have them send back solutions that make them as good now as they are as as uh, they were last year or have as many players on the roster. I just think it is so limiting for the Winnipeg Jets to keep sending out this call that we are not going to take futures. We need. Why to do get you think to... they're saying that? I've got my own
1: theory, but I'll, I'll get that to you first. Like, why okay. do you think... Uh, like, Elliot Friedman, I mean, he may as well have had a sign that said, not a rebuild, like a big graphic yeah. while he was talking. I mean, that's very clearly... Say, listen, you can say this about what we're doing right now, but you have to have to emphatically tell everyone that it's not a rebuild. And again, figure out your definition of a rebuild. But what? why do you think that's happening and who's that directed to?
3: I've only got one theory. And the reason I have this theory is because the Winnipeg Jets have to see that if they tried to move players and they did last summer and they decided not to do it because of exactly what we're talking about now. What we kept hearing last year is they tried to trade Mark Shifley and get Mark Shifley back because they want to stay, you know, equally competitive to how they are right now. They have to be able to see that that damaged them, right? That all they did was waste a year with all these players. It didn't turn out the way they hoped during the season out in the first round after five games, it did not work out for them. They have to be able to see that the only thing i can think is well let's say it's two things a is that they are stubborn beyond belief and have their mindset on something and are just not going to move off that and are willing to lose all those players for nothing when it's so all said and done in order to set the president that precedent that they're not going to be pushed around and they're going to ask for their price and you're just not going to get the player until you give them that price. The only other thing I can think is that there's this belief, which I disagree with, that there's this belief in the organization that Winnipeg Jets fans will not support anything other than a winner, which I... I think it's crazy because I think we saw the Winnipeg Jets fans have supported this team fairly well throughout the entirety of its existence this second time around since 2011. I'm a big believer that Winnipeg Jets hockey fans, if you put a team on the ice that had a good upside and a good future and young players who were growing, just like we saw with, you know, in 2017 with Kyle Connor and Patrick line, think of how exciting that hockey was that year. Yeah. The Jets missed the playoffs, but how excited were people about the promise of, uh, of Nikolai Ehlers and, and Connor Hellebuck, and Patrick Liney and Kyle Connor. I think that you can sell fans on that. The only thing I can think is that Winnipeg Jets fans are worried, sorry, the Winnipeg Jets organization is worried their fans are going to say, so what, we're just going to tear everything down and not compete? No way, I want out of this. And that they're trying to send the message to their fans that we tried everything we could to keep this team relevant and winning in the moment, and the only avenue that we had left to us in the end was to trade these players for futures which i think is the right move in the first place all i can think is that it's a pr move to send the message out there winnipeg jets fans were trying to win and we're trying to win right now and we did everything we could to try to win right now it didn't work out this is the road we had to travel we're sorry we're not going to make the playoffs this year but we did everything that we could and now we do think we've got a good plucky young team that is going to have a good future that's my take i'm interested in
1: I, I, okay, I do agree with you on the on, on the fan message. Um, and I think it's important because, again, some people think rebuild, oh, this is going to be the Blackhawks or the Coyotes. And, I mean, there's too much talent here. That's not going to be the case. And I think the division's yeah. weak enough that even if you trade packages right point. now for more futures and, you know, a couple players back that might not be where they are, if they're hardworking, if they fit in right now, if they change the personality of the team, I think that's a win. But for me, Sean, I think that those messages from Elliot and the other insiders about not a rebuild were more to the players that are going to be left here in Winnipeg as opposed to anybody else. And I think back oh, to what point. we heard that day at the arena and it was one guy after another when they were asked about You know, what do you think about a rebuild and whatnot? I mean, starting off with Connor Hellebuck, and maybe Hellebuck's the number one guy on that list. I mean, maybe Hellebuck is the one that they're still working hard to try to re-sign and keep as a a franchise player. So as much as a fan base is certainly part of the messaging, I'm not sure that the guys that are also wearing Winnipeg Jets jerseys and will be wearing Winnipeg Jets jerseys aren't a part of the message target as well.
3: Yeah, I think you're 100% right about that. And I thought the exact same thing, you know, when a guy like Nino Niederreiter came out and said that, because here's the guy the Jets went out with the purpose of making sure that they had a little bit of term on him. I think he's the kind of guy that they want. He's the kind of, uh, they're trying to build the team and the image of players like that. So when he'd said that and was so upfront about the idea that he didn't want to be part of a rebuild... uh, I I agree with that. I definitely agree on your point with Hellebuck. I think that that's been the situation for years where Hellebuck, I think, behind the scenes, and he's essentially said it up front, but I think he's been saying this behind the scenes for years. He's interested in trying to win. So if the Winnipeg Jets aren't interested in trying to win right now, he's not interested in being here. So I think the Jets' attempt to try and move Mark Shifley last summer and get Mark Shifley back was an attempt to say to Connor Hellebuck, see, we're still competitive. We still have a chance you should sign here. I personally think that that window is closed. I think Connor Hellebuck has decided he's going elsewhere. Because even if you did re-sign those, let's say they turned around and were able to re-sign Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Scheifele, and Blake Wheeler, if if you're Connor Hellebuck, why are you looking at that team and saying, "Oh, great, the band's back together. Now we're going to win a cup"? Because they sure haven't shown that over the last number. I don't of think. Years. I don't
1: think moves like that are helping them sign anybody. To be perfectly it, honest,
3: it, exactly. So I mean, th- if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you've got a little bit of time here to try and make those trades and get these crazy returns and be you know kind of like brad trelliving did last year where he was able to get jonathan huberdo and mckenzie weiger as kachuk went out the door and sign nazim kadri if you were connor Hellebuck and that was the same situation you'd look and be like well we were pretty good last year and these guys came in maybe we're right there okay i will re-sign it i don't think the jets are pulling that off I think that's what they're saying. They're trying to pull off. So you are right. It's I, I do think there's a message to the fans here, but I think the message has been to the players that we're going to do everything we can c- to compete. And then if it ends up getting into a situation where they need to trade for futures, which I still think is what's going to happen. I still fully expect that the jets are going to move those players, get a couple play, p- players that will be pretty good for right now, but focus on the futures, which is what I think that they should be doing. That's the healthiest thing for them to do for, this team. I just think there's this, there's this worry constantly within the Jets organization. I think Kevin Cheveldeoff has shown it before that you don't want to look like players don't want to be here. And so what happens is if you trade Connor Hellebuck, you trade Mark Scheifele, you trade Pierre-Luc Dubois, and you get a bunch of futures, and now all of a sudden there's open calls and it's popping up and Elliot Friedman's reporting and Darren Dreger is reporting that now uh, Nino Niederreiter wants out of town. And now Kyle Connor is saying, I don't know that I want to spend the rest of my time in a rebuild then it starts looking like well there's just this max mass exodus out of winnipeg because players don't want to play here anymore i think that's one of the things that they're trying to avoid as well um i i agree with you they've got enough pieces that they could stay competitive uh this is the other thing there's I, I mean, how many players in the, or teams in the league are rebuilding right now? There's probably eight to 10 of them, right? It's very common for a team to be in a rebuild. If you think you're going to be a player, entire career, not stepping into a rebuild, it's a little bit of a dream world. And I think with team control, Kevin shovel could say to players like Nikolai Ehlers or Kyle Connor, suck it up. This is what we're going through. We need you to be good pros and the better pros you are, the quicker we get back to doing what you want to do. And that's compete for the big prize. Um, but I'll go back and I'll say this. It is truly my belief that the Winnipeg Jets need to move those players for assets that will help them in the future. Uh, it's the best return that I think that they're going to get. Uh, it's interesting that message that keeps coming out, but I think I, I, I like my theory. I really like your theory. Uh, I think that's what we're seeing.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the proof will be uh, in the results as to what we see over the next little bit. And uh certainly give us lots to talk about in the next couple of weeks. And of course, we'll look forward to seeing you down in Nashville for uh, what should be a very eventful week for uh, the Winnipeg Jets and all of us uh, covering the team. Rennie, awesome having you on
3: the program, man. Let's do this again soon. Yeah. I always love coming on. It's going to be fun down at the draft. Lots of hot chicken and lots of barbecue for us. It's going to be great. (laughs) Have a great one, pal. Thanks for doing this.
1: All right, great stuff with Sean Reynolds. Thanks to Rennie for jumping on. We caught up with Rennie a little earlier, and while we were talking to Rennie, some more information has come out on the uh, <clears throat> the Dubois saga. We'll get to that in just a second. Don't forget tomorrow, folks. It's Bomber time. tie Cats Bombers, seven thirty p.m. at IG Field. And if you're uh, heading to the game, well, if you're not already making, I think you should make some plans to do that. But get there early, five thirty p.m. The Princess Auto Tailgate Zone gets going. Five dollar beers, three fifty pop, three fifty hot dogs. Uh, such a great atmosphere before every game last year at the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone, and I think with a beautiful day tomorrow and all the excitement of the new season, that is definitely going to be the place to be. So pop by there. We'll see you there before the game, and then get in there and cheer on the Bombers, hopefully to a season-opening win over Bo Levi and the Tie Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them on Panit Road or Portage Avenue West in Winnipeg, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, shout out to our gang, out a consolidated supply. They're busy right now. I know a lot of the Consolidated Supply guys. Uh, Joe and the gang are going to be down cheering on the bombers tomorrow. Uh, But back come Saturday, they'll be helping Manitobans with irrigation systems to get those lawns looking mint for the summer, just like they do for golf courses around the province. They're the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf. New and used golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba and also have other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options, not to mention being the leaders in small engine parts and repair. by and see consolidated supply at their new showroom open to the public 1395 Nyakwa road East or find out more online at CTE.ca. Um, get them down to Royal sports gang, because we have a huge tent sale. Coming up on the weekend, the world-famous Royal Tent Sales. There really is nothing like it. Uh, We've got a massive, massive one tomorrow. Thousands of pairs of shoes and more out there. Everything at least 50% off. Uh, all, All great brands that you know. Vans, Converse, Adidas. Etnies, New Balance, DVS, People, Puma, DC, DVS, Lakai, On, and Under Armour. Tons of uh, apparel and equipment, too. 750 Pemina Highway, tent sale. Saturday, it starts at 10 a.m. until 6 p.m., and then runs again on Sunday from 11 to 5 there's nothing like a Royal Sports and Kings tent sale, and it's this week down at Royal Sports. And, hey, if you need some bomber gear before the game tomorrow, head down to a Royal before you head to IG Field. Hey, we got a cup game tonight. I know we're heavy-duty into off-season talk here in Winnipeg right now for obvious reasons, uh, but get the gang together. Stay cool in the air conditioning at one of your local Boston Pizza lounges. Big game on with big sound tonight and the best place to get together with friends for the big game. Ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. Staying in tonight, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. And i got to say, a big shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. We're counting down the days to getting back to Aikens this summer. If you uh, are planning a fishing getaway Talk to the folks over at Akins about uh, making that part of it. I mean, this is world-class fishing. You can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. And as great as the fishing is, there's nothing quite like the Akins experience and the incredible Aiken's hospitality. Aikenslake.com, at Akinslake on Twitter. Maybe we'll see you out there. And as I say, not a ton of availability left this year. Find out when it is. But... Um, going into uh, next year, they're already booking, so uh, get on those plans. Corporate, friends, family, there's nothing quite like Aikens. Alright. You know, while we were talking to Sean, we've got a report from The Athletic. And Remo, I think we need the logo up. I think we've got to get the, uh, the sounder, because we have breaking news. In Breaking news on WST for Dubois drama, courtesy of our friends at The Athletic. Um, And this could not have come at a better time. And this is from guys that are as plugged in as any when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens. And here it is. It's fresh off. This is why you should be. And it's not just the incredible stuff from our pal that's worth the subscription at The Athletic. It's also... Guys like Arpon Basu who uh, really are connected there in Montreal. He and Marc-Antoine Godin have a report from Buffalo where the scouting combine is going on right now. And um, we won't get to this entire thing, but basically Tuesday afternoon, Kevin Chevaldéoff sat down with Pat Brisson to discuss Pierre-Luc Dubois. We heard the news from Pierre Lebrun yesterday that Chevy told that uh, that Chevy was informed by Brisson that Dubois would not be signing an extension, even if it was for one year. And uh, Brisson would work with off to help broker a trade out of Winnipeg. Now, here's something key. Um, and I said, like Brad Treleving did last year, they almost immediately signed for team elected arbitration to give them the hammer, not be able to lose a player on a one-year deal where they wouldn't be able to trade him. But he says this no one should be expecting Chevaldeoff to run interference here by taking Dubois to arbitration so he could trade him at next year's deadline. A change of address for Dubois is looking highly likely, but that doesn't necessarily mean Dubois is heading to Montreal. Again, this is all from Arpon and quit. This is what we've learned. The Dubois camp will submit a list of teams that he would have interest in signing with long term, maybe 5 or 6 teams. They'll need to determine willingness of those teams to add Dubois and his new contract before putting them on their list. The Habs, who reached out to the Jets as soon as the season ended, will be on that list. Chevy's then going to work that list to try and negotiate the trade that helps the Jets the most. Meanwhile, Brisson can begin talking to those teams about the parameters of a new contract. The plan for this is to be a sign and trade where the Jets signed Dubois to an eight-year contract and then trade him to his new team. Dubois could not get an eight-year deal if he signed directly with that team, and the Jets can extract more with the signed and delivered player. This is exactly what the Flames and Panthers did with Matthew Kachuk last summer. Um, this is a little bit more from uh, from the report. The sense we get is that Dubois would be willing to adjust his salary demands Based on the situation of his new team, for example, he'd accept slightly less money to go to a cup contender than he would to a rebuilding team like the Canadiens. That's the challenge for Canadiens GM Kent Hughes. He has to try to use Dubois' sincere interest in playing in Montreal to convince him to take a salary that fits within the range the organization has fixed internally that it would pay for his services. But generally, Dubois likely seeking a contract in the nine million dollar a year range, which is what the Athletic protected. He'd be uh, projected he'd be in a position to ask for six weeks ago. Uh, and there's three recent contracts Brisson and his team can use as comparables. Each of them signed a contract one year away from USA status with arbitration rights as impending RFA's, just like Dubois. Matt Barzell, nine point one five million a year. Rupee hints. 8.45 million a year, and Matthew Kachuk, 9.25 million a year. Kachuk was 24 when he signed his deal. Barzell was 25. Higgs had just turned 26, and Dubois will turn 25 four days before the draft. So, uh, Remo, that is, uh, uh, listen, this is really key, key information. And I got to say, this is great news for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, It certainly does not sound like it's Montreal or bust. And for everyone that has been telling all of us here in Winnipeg that Montreal can just sit back and wait and do nothing and get him for nothing next year, that obviously isn't the case. Maybe the best thing from a Jets perspective coming out of this is that they are willing and likely to do a sign-and-trade, and and this list of teams is going to be five or six, and that Kevin off. Will have the opportunity to deal with all of these teams and make the best deal for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, my, my first reaction to this, considering what we've been talking about, what we've been hearing, is that this is about as good of a situation as the Jets could have possibly imagined. Um, coming into it based on everything that we've heard about Montreal, Montreal, Montreal. It's not just Montreal. And in fact, some other teams might have the leg up on Montreal when it comes to getting to an eight year deal. It may be a more affordable cost to fit under the cap. Yeah.
2: We were sitting here saying, okay, he's only going to sign a one year deal with whatever team he goes to uh, because he's just going to end up signing with Montreal. But from this report, uh shout out to Arp and Basu and um uh, Marc Antoine Godin, the athletic, coming up 49 minutes ago. It sounds like Dubois was ready to cash in. He's seeing these big contracts handed out uh, to the players mentioned Barzell, Pence, Kachuk, even like Matt Boldy. What? Didn't he get a seven by seven contract in his uh, rookie season, or second, second that was coming season? Coming out of his ELC. Yeah, with, with Minnesota. So he doesn't want to do these one year deals anymore for. What like he's not signing a six million dollar, um, six million dollar what offer sheet? That's what we were speculating before. But you can get looking for nine million dollars a year on an eight year deal. So we'll see what teams are interested. Um, I agree, it's definitely a positive for the Jets knowing that you know multiple teams are on this list and it's not just Montreal. And for Montreal, if they want to get him, they're going to have to pony up too and. He's going to have to break that Nick Suzuki salary ceiling uh, that they've set as an internal cap, so um, nice report.: Isn't that here. Or they
1: could just trade Suzuki for him and have Dubois be their new uh, <laughs> well, be the new I, guy that sets the cap.
2: I always wonder, yeah, they could. I always wondered how Montreal would do this because they're like not in a position where they're like ready to go and start winning. They're still, you know, kind of finishing up the, hey,
1: their, they might be if they get Dubois on their team, depending on what they trade. I mean, if you were trading a prospect or the fifth overall pick or something like that, if you're just basically putting Dubois into that lineup, like I said before, I mean, a center ice position of Suzuki, Dubois, Kirby Dock, that's pretty good. I mean, I think as their younger players develop, Slavskowski probably contributing a little bit more next year, maybe a little bit more roster massaging. I I could see Montreal being a lot more competitive next year with a guy like Dubois. Here's one thing, though. I Is Dubois ready for the pressure and the heat that comes nope. with being a francophone superstar or star player in Montreal, especially after everything that's come out in the past to get him there if he ended up there? I, I don't know. I mean, there is a lot. And can speak to other French players that have been there before. I'm not sure there's anything like being the center of attention in Montreal as a French player on the Habs, a French star player. He
2: just hasn't shown... Maybe it's because he's not playing where he's wanted to be, and if he came out and wrote a letter said saying that it was his lifelong dream to be a top-line center for the Montreal Canadiens, maybe he would show that consistency, but we're not sure... You want sure. the
1: letter, don't you? You, we're want, not the, sure you want a
2: letter. He needs to write a letter to Winnipeg. After this is all done, he needs to come out. after Wherever he gets, gets his destination, he needs to come out. This is PR 101, Hustler. Come out, write a letter to Winnipeg fans... Explaining his decision, saying it was his dream to be a top line center in Montreal, Boston, LA, wherever it was, and thank the Winnipeg fans for supporting him. But I mean, his play here, I mean, look, he was amazing in the first half of the season. I do wonder if the hip injury, how much it affected him. But I mean, at times he looked like a point per game player, but he's never scored 30 goals in a season us I and mean, if you want to be a top line center in in Montreal I mean you got to be you got to do more than scoring what less than 30 goals and uh 70 points so I don't know if he's ready uh so I don't know if he's worth this 9 million dollars like the other guys that they mentioned as comparables hey, Kachuk
1: doesn't matter to us the Jets aren't going to be the ones paying him
2: yeah but like Kachuk like Hints, Barzell, are you taking all those guys ahead of Dubois I would think so yeah. Like you're taking Rupee hints. Look at look what
1: he did in the playoffs. Oh, oh. if you told me that the Jets could trade Pierre-Luc Dubois for Rupee hints right now, i anyone would say yes so fast to that. And uh but here's the thing about Dubois, and this is a lot and listen, I'm not saying that he's Matthew Kachuk because he's obviously not. He could be. But he has that element of his game. Yeah. When engaged, which again, sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. That makes him, that I think really cranks up the demand from players, especially when you see what works in the playoffs. And I'll tell you what I'm doing if I'm Chevy. I'm sending anyone that's interested the tape of game one against Vegas. And I'm doing everything I can to burn all video evidence of game five. <laughs> because that is the uh, the enigma that is Pierre-Luc Dubois. He looked like an absolute giant killer. Uh, a guy that I don't want to say single handedly because it was a great team game, but he was the guy that put the Jets in that position and throttled Vegas in that first game in Vegas, and even for the first period of the second game, and then whatever happened, Vegas pushed back, and the Jets didn't have pushback, and there wasn't a lot of pushback from Pierre Luc Dubois, and he was uh, garbage in game number five, along with a number of his teammates, but. I mean, that is that is what you're getting when you're getting Pierre-Luc Dubois. But he still is very young. There still certainly is more maturing to be done in him. And that package that he has with the physicality, the strength, the offensive ability, the edge to it, that is going to be in demand. And I would say this. I think what's happened with Matthew Kachuk last year actually plays into the Winnipeg Jets' hands on this. And for everyone, we talked earlier was it Rennie the thought that they would just be getting a first and a third for 2024 or that would be that good? Listen, this is the best news, and I think this news guarantees that the offers or whatever the Jets end up settling for or pull the trigger on will be far better than that. It might inf- include some futures, but I think it'll include some players to you know come in and contribute and hopefully help this team win games next season and still be competitive. I mean, who wouldn't rather have a competitive team than a brutal team? Um, But the fact of the matter is that he's willing to do a sign-and-trade. They're looking for a long-term deal, and there's going to be five or a list of five or six teams. I think that's far better of a situation than we could have imagined when we started this show today.
2: Yeah, well, we were sitting here being like, oh, the Jets have zero leverage at all. He only wants to go to Montreal. Why would Montreal trade anything for him? Why would anyone trade for him if he's just going to sign for a year and go to Montreal? But from this report in The Athletic, again, sounds like he wants to secure the bag, get his large uh, retirement contract. Remember, he had tra- at uh, in the preseason, in the training camp, he said his next contract he could retire on. And so he's looking at what? at eight-year deal worth $9 million a season. Let's do some, what is that, like 70?
1: 72.
2: 72? You did some quick... You I know your multiplication the, remember, tables. Remember
1: your times tables? Michael? No, I...
2: Okay, like, when it got after, like, to 7 and 8 range, I just guessed. I had... I, <laughs> yeah. I was like, why am I going to need to double this? I got a calculator on my phone. This is, you know, a while ago now. But come on, I just stopped after 7, I just guessed. Like, 42, 49. Anyways, but it's... Like, you look at comparable, they're comparing them to Rupe Hints. So this is Dubois last year sixty three points in seventy three games Dubois two years ago he had sixty points in eighty one games. I mean Rupe hints he was point per game player this year uh what do I think he had seventy five and seventy three games seventy five and seventy three games and the year before he had seventy two and eighty he scored thirty seven goals the last two seasons Dubois never scored thirty goals in a season so he thinks he's a comparable to well, well,
1: here's the thing. Yeah. He does. I mean, the offense isn't quite there. Yes. But there's a lot of things that Dubois brings that a Rupi Hintz doesn't have, that a Matt Barzell yes. doesn't have, that but, a Matthew Kachuk does have. That's fair. I mean, let's face it, he's a pain in the ass. He draws penalties. He takes a ton of penalties, too, as we well know. But anyway, he's physical. He's got a bit of that edge. And he's a shit disturber. And those are guys that you want in the playoffs. The problem is, is that. Some And, I mean, maybe this was a Winnipeg thing. Maybe this was part of, I mean, what he did in Columbus. He'd look great for a while, and then he'd remind everyone that he wants out of Winnipeg by playing like his head is somewhere else for a little while. Hey, listen, whatever. We've obviously seen the last of Dubois in a Winnipeg Jet jersey, so we don't need to worry about whether Dubois is going to be engaged for any particular game or how he's going to look. That ship has sailed. But right now... Um, it's about what Prapprasson can do to work out interest around the league um, for the team, the places that Dubois would like to go. And then it's going to be on Kevin Shell. This is a great, obviously, that meeting was a very good thing for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, at least if you if you believe that before that the Winnipeg Jets were getting squeezed like they did with Jacob Truba, I mean, I think back as good as Chevy did in the Truba trade, how good would that have, uh, that deal have been if Jacob Tru if there was like five or six different places with hospitals that Jacob truba could have gone in the National Hockey League? Well, there was only one it was New York, but they made that deal uh, I'm just saying that right now there's the willingness according to this report there's the willingness to sign with the Winnipeg Jets and trade a sign and trade deal like what Calgary did last year with Florida and uh, Dubois. Dubois is not the unicorn that Matthew Kachuk is, but he is a reasonable facsimile in some ways. He plays center. There will be demand on this. And uh, I'll tell you what, based on this report, Maybe this puts a little more on Chevy's shoulders because, to be honest, I think my expectations for what the return might be for the Jets have gone up considering what's been reported by Arpon and Marc Antoine Godin.
2: Yeah, really curious um, what this return is going to be, how it's going to play off. Are we going to be, what kind of reports are going to come out before the show tomorrow? I just have such fond memories of last summer, Huss, with Trot's Watch and like listening to 32 Thoughts and every day seeing what insider reports were kind of it's funny the stanley cups going on but we're getting so many like signings you know the gavern we had a trade we had the fantasy U contract we got this now no one cares about the cup final it's basically done we're in off season mode oh, is there and- a
1: game tonight is, they, is that that they haven't given the cup out yet apparently oh, i think going. there is
2: i think there is What what where
1: are we at in the series
2: Thought it was over, but uh, apparently oh, it's there's... two
1: nothing Vegas. I'm seeing. Oh well, geez. I guess we'll get to that in the cool bet lines in a minute. Speaking of cool bet, Winnipeg, and this is going to lead into um, what's going to be a real interesting next couple weeks. But uh, you know, as we've said, this the the deal that they are looking to do is look to be completed before or at the draft in Nashville. And as you can see, Winnipeg Sports Talk at the NHL Draft, presented by Coolbet, all week long, beginning on that Monday, we will be in Nashville. And who knows, Matt, Remo, by the end of that week, we might be insiders. You never know. Yeah. I mean, boots on the ground, right? You've got to work those sources. Yeah. <laughs> shake some hands, kind of see what's going on. Um, but in all seriousness, joking aside, shout out to Coolbet for making this happen. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of, Winnipeg media staying back home. I know Sean is going to be there working for uh, working for Sportsnet, So So um, it should be a huge week for the jets, but also a huge week for us here on Winnipeg sports talk. So even if you've kind of been coming in some of you, we might've missed the last few days, but then the minute Dubois drama dropped, you were back in uh, make sure you were with us all that week. And we'll be doing some additional content on our, um, on our social channels, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, of course our YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed or following us at all of those. Uh, but yeah, that final week is going to be, uh, going to be quite interesting, especially with the news that we just got today coming out of the athletic on Pierre Luke Dubois. Um, maybe Chevy will look like a freaking genius at the end of all of this. You never know, folks. I'm um, certainly a better position right now. If there's going to be a list of five or six teams and the willingness to sign a long-term deal. Um, Let's uh, we do have to do a couple other things. And as I mentioned, we will get to those cool bet lines uh, and we do have a game tonight. Um, but I'll tell you what, while we, uh, you know, you guys can keep on chatting in the chat on all of this, and we're enjoying following this and all of your, uh, all of your thoughts. Uh, we do want to quickly head out to the ballpark because the fish are playing tonight. And uh, not only are the gold guys playing very well at home, but uh, for all of you that enjoy the great beers of Manitoba a great beer event coming to the ballpark as well. Let's take a quick trip out to Shaw Park and check in with uh, our pal, Andrew Collier, manager, a general manager of the Gold Eyes. Ash, nice uh, start to the homestand.
4: Yeah, very good coming off a uh, road trip that wasn't wasn't what we had drawn up, but coming back home seems like uh, the home cooking is working so far this year.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the home road splits are extreme so far this season, to say the least. But tell you what, it's been great. I mean, what a start weather wise for this season. And the team's been playing some great baseball at home. Obviously, they sort of needed it after an underwhelming road trip. But um, I mean, a great start, two big wins over Chicago. And, and yesterday, I mean, what a day at the ballpark. I mean, you had a pretty nice day and 6,000 kids. Uh, I hear uh, the GM was even uh, pouring a few cold ones in Craft Beer Corner.
4: Yeah, when you have a, a day game and the majority of your staff is in school of some sort, then everybody needs to pitch in and, and work some jobs they're not typically uh, working at.
1: Yeah, well, I hope some of those uh, chaperones of those 6,000 kids weren't keeping you too busy through the afternoon. Uh, all in all, though, those are really, really cool games. I mean, uh, and, and I mean, that's 6,000. I mean, that is an unbelievable turnout. I imagine kids and schools from uh, really not just Winnipeg, but probably out of town as well coming in to, you know, have one big day towards the end of uh, this year of classes.
4: Yeah, from all over. So when we had that rain overnight and rain in the morning, we had a lot of phone calls from the out-of-towners asking if they should come in. And Of course, I say yes, um, somewhat optimistically that the rain was going to pass and we'd get the tarp off the field, and, and we did. And first pitch went out at 11.05, so so uh, somebody was smiling on us yesterday.
1: Back at it tonight against Chicago and then uh, Kansas City in on the weekend. And, of course, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Next, kind of big fun night Saturday, Métis night, Kerry Anderson throwing out the first pitch, but uh, also the Archangel boys getting ready to uh, blast the fireworks after Saturday night's tilt.
4: Yeah, our second fireworks show of the year. It should be should be good. They always put on a good show.
1: Well, obviously, uh, the games are there for you tonight, folks, and uh, throughout the weekend, get on down to the ballpark. But there's also a lot of things going on in the community for you guys. Uh, You guys have done such a great job of outreach here in the city with youth programs in the past. But tell us about this trip up to Thompson before. This sounds like a a, a great community initiative, and uh, this goes all the way right up to a Major League Baseball initiative.
4: Yeah, MLB has been doing this play ball weekend where they encourage all of their member teams to put on clinics, put on camps, encourage kids to ke- come out and play baseball. Even if they've never played before, come on out, try the game. Uh, they've supplied us with a hundred bat and ball sets that were taking up to Thompson with us tomorrow. So it's, uh, myself, um, another staff member from the gold eyes, a couple players are going up there tomorrow. Uh, three people from baseball in Manitoba who are gonna act as clinicians tomorrow to run the camps. It's just a, a great initiative to to get to a, a northern community and and show them that, that Gold Eyes baseball isn't just for Winnipeg, it's for the entire province and, and we want to expose baseball to as many as many kids as we can.
1: You guys obviously have a great following not just in the city but in southern Manitoba but um pretty unique to be able to get all the way up to Thompson with how much geography you've got to cover.
4: Yeah. Huge shout out to Gary Bell at calm air for providing the airfare for us. When I approached him about this initiative and said, Hey, we could do this, this clinic at the ballpark, but we do camps all the time at the ballpark. Um, would he be interested in either a, a discount on the airfares or providing to, to us and, he basically said, whatever you need, we got you. So we're fly out, uh, we'll fly out tomorrow morning and then come back tomorrow night for the game.
1: Well, I'll look forward to uh, having, uh, you know, some neat content from that, I'm sure, on your social channels. And uh, all the best to everyone that takes part in it, as well as the entire traveling uh, crew. Now, you know, we could sit here talking about the games on the weekend, which I hope people will come out. I'm certainly going to planning on getting into a couple this weekend. But there was also an announcement that particularly caught my attention, Earlier this week, Andrew, and uh, coming off the success at the Flatlanders Beer Fest, which is always a big deal, that was last weekend, beer lovers are going to have quite an experience coming out to Shaw Park a little later on this summer. Fill us in on the Ballpark Brew Fest next month.
4: Yeah, we did this last year, so this is the second annual, and last year was such a huge success. I think there was 800 people here, uh, 19 brewers, this time we're upping it to a thousand tickets are available for sale. July twenty second, we're going to have twenty four brewers. It's a rain or shine event, so we'll have all of the brewers set up under the concourse. So, no matter what the weather is. Last year was perfect weather, just unbelievable. All the brewers, all the, the people coming out to to taste the uh, the brews had a great time last year. So we all thought, why not do it again? So, Andrew, for someone that has
1: not been to one of these uh, beer events, fill people in on uh, sort of how things work with the ticket and what awaits them when they get to Shaw Park on the 22nd.
4: So for $60, including taxes, uh, when they arrive at the ballpark, they get a sample glass that they can take home at the end of the event. They go to each of the brewers, as, as many as they want, and get a sample and try out the different beers that the brewers bring. Um, part of the $60 ticket is also a coupon for a hot dog or a hamburger or a slice of a little pizza having pizza. Um, we also have designated driver tickets. So if you've got a group of people and one person wants to volunteer to be the designated driver but wants to come out and hang out and watch the bands that are on the field, $15 for a designated driver ticket. That includes a Pepsi product and also the hot dog hamburger or a slice of pizza.
1: This seems just an awesome sort of extension, really, of uh, the big move you guys made last year as a Winnipeg team moving to all local beers.
4: It really is. And the 24 brewers that are coming this year, just like the 19 last year, are all Manitoba brewers. Everything that people will sample on July 22nd is brewed right here in Manitoba in We have uh, two brewers from Brandon this year, so it's not just a Winnipeg brewery event. It's uh, a province-wide.
1: Well, as we see how, uh, you know, that industry explodes and uh, so much great beer here in Manitoba, no better place to get everybody together and uh, have a few at the home of the Goldeyes while the fish are on the road. Uh, Get to goldeyes.com for more information on that. Tickets for the Ballpark Brew Fest available at Ticketmaster right now. And most importantly, back to the present, Finish off, maybe get the brooms out tonight and then get ready for Kansas City for what should be a great weekend at uh, Shaw Park as you guys continue the homestand catch.
4: Yeah, that would be great to get another one tonight. Like I said, uh, off air, we go from playing the best team in the East to playing the best team in the West. So we'll really find out uh, what these guys are made of. And like we talked about before, the home schedule has been better for us so far than the road. So hopefully we can keep that going for these next four games.
1: Good luck. Uh, keep it going tonight. and We'll see you at the ballpark this weekend, Andrew. Thanks for doing this.
4: Yeah, see you soon. Thanks for having
1: me. All right, good stuff with uh, our pal Andrew Collier. Gold eyes tonight, 630 start. Kansas City in town on the weekend. Weather's going to be beautiful. I don't know many of you might be at the Bomber game tomorrow night, but uh, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon against Saturday night, Kerry Anderson throwing out the first pitch. I'm sure it'll be straight smoke right down the middle of the plate and then fireworks after the game. Um, All right, we're going to get Remo back in here in just a second. Don't forget, though, tomorrow, Bomber home opener, Little Brown Jug, now an official partner with the Blue Bombers. And 1919, their flagship beer available at IG Field. You're going to have to look a little bit to find it. But I did the recon for you at the preseason game. I can tell you the poutineries as well as the I believe it's the hometown hometown concession um, content concession. So I think there's about eight or so on the bottom of the uh, of the lower bowl and then a couple on both sides upstairs right now. Uh, but great news. For 1919 and Little Brown Jug fans and people that wanted some great local beer options, it is here now at IG Field and it begins tomorrow. And of course, head on down to that beautiful patio at Little Brown Jug when you get a chance and try all the Little Brown Jug beers at the brewery and tap room. You can pick it up at your local beer vendor as well and also order online at Little Brown Jug. If you haven't uh, already, they do have local delivery options. And, uh, hey, shout out. Did you get any wins last night at the track last night, Remo? I had one. I had one. Oh, yeah, you did have a
2: nice one, didn't you? I bet $4 on... Uh, I, oh, oh, uh, Comrie, the Comrie horse.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it won.
2: $4 paid thirty-two sixty dollars 60 on... The Comrie rule. What a horse. That was a no-brainer. So, so the
1: Comrie rule, and, and the fact that you won on him in his first race, that's pretty much auto bet for the rest of the year. That's
2: my new favorite horse, yeah, added to the stable. With uh... <laughs> it,
1: I don't know. We'll have to wait until Monday for more action at Assiniboia down, but uh, you can make plans for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week to get back out to the track and uh, make a call ahead, make a reservation, get in that dining room for that world-famous prime rib buffet over at assiniboia downs and uh we got to get to the cool bet lines uh that is one thing that we do have to do and uh, we do have a game tonight we were sort of joking that the playoffs is behind us Uh, we're not interested anymore but uh, we are in fact florida panthers minus 120 tonight vegas golden knights plus 102 panthers have to win right I mean, no, it's over. It would, they already although, lost. I guess maybe you want to sleep so we can just go full tilt into Dubois drama and trade talk 24 7 on this program and won't have the inconvenience or the nuisance of championships, of a championship series still going on.
2: Actually, what I'm most excited for this game is the first intermission when Elliot Friedman goes down with David Amber and puts, <laughs> gives his, his report. I've never been so excited for an intermission. He's, What's Elliot going to say? Uh, about Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, whenever they do whatever their segment is called. Is it first intermission? Second intermission? I don't I care. Think it's I'll, be, first. I'll be tuning in. I'll tune in. Maybe before the game, they'll mention Pierre-Luc Dubois. It could be at any time during the broadcast. So uh, that's what we want to see, uh, the insider uh, reports.
1: You know, I was just looking, and uh, Dubois leading, or uh, Dubois, Paul Maurice leading up to Game 3, uh, admitted that the Panthers have been too physical they're going to try and rein it in a little bit. No one's ever said that. Yeah, well, not too physical, too undisciplined, I believe is the uh, is the term. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that place is going to be rocking tonight. Panthers minus one twenty. I like. Well, wow. Listen, I'm just cheering for the Panthers to get this win because I would like this to be a good series. Um, it's pretty much done if Vegas gets the win tonight. But if you are riding with Vegas, you're getting plus money plus 102 tonight. Panthers plus 415 to win the series. If you think that Maurice and his crew can author an incredible comeback uh, from down two nothing, much like they did down three one against the uh, against the Boston Bruins. But I, I don't know. And here's a an, here's a why not question of the day for everybody that's still with us in chat. What are you more excited about? Game three of the cup final tonight or game one of the CFL season? We got football tonight, folks. Real three down football before the bomber home opener. And this one's gone down. Calgary was a three and a half point favorite yesterday when they did the lock shop. It is now just a two and a half point favorite. BC plus two, uh, 2.5. If you like BC to win plus 125 on the money line. Minus 152 on the money line for a Stamps win. I'm actually taking the under 50 and a half in this game. I think the defenses will step up, and I think it might be, we uh, might, might not see teams in mid-season form offensively. So that's where I'm rolling tonight. Again, you can get to Cool Bet. We do have an exclusive. Um, uh, if you look in the exclusive, Lock shot Partner Parlay. Myself and Dusty coming in. And so we're taking the Bombers to win. Taking the Elks to beat the Riders. I think most Bomber fans will be here for that. And we're back in Bobby Dice in his official head coaching, permanent head coaching debut in Montreal. Uh, We got a nice boost on that. It was plus 480 or so when we did it. We got it up to plus 540. So if you want to ride with us, Lockshop Partner Parlay. Bombers, Red Blacks, Elks to win, plus 540. And the Bombers, for their part, five-point favorites tomorrow. Taking on... The Hamilton Tiger Cats in a total of forty-seven, seven thirty p.m. tomorrow. You have to get that uh, in on that. Um, well, Remo, this has been quite the day. We uh, we knew dude Bois drama was going to bring some people out that had maybe been a little uh, that hadn't been at least with us live on YouTube as much over the last week or so. Uh, but we are <laughs> we're diving headfirst into it. Um, We had some great conversations with Brandon and with Rennie. And then this report from the Athletic, from Arpon Basu and Marc-Antoine Godin, I think really uh, opening things up. And I got to tell you, the reaction from Jet fans right now, I think pretty darn happy that uh, it does seem like there will be multiple teams involved, at least teams that Dubois will be willing to go. And Pat Brisson will be, and they will be open to signing and tra- doing a sign and trade deal, an eight year deal with the Winnipeg Jets, and then a trade to the new team, Alakachuk, last year. And, um, you know, for people that care about the Winnipeg Jets, I think all things considered with this situation and what we heard yesterday, this is about the best possible news we could have received this afternoon.
2: Yeah, the news we thought we were going to hear was uh, he only wants to go to Montreal. So, uh, too bad. And I think, I guess he's, you know, try to create a bidding war, get that $9 million a year contract if he can. And then I guess tomorrow we'll spend all our time speculating on what teams, you know, just Montreal, Boston, what, Colorado interested.
1: I wonder if they could even fit him. Uh, like like heard Rangers in Minnesota earlier today from Jeff Merrick. Um, So anyways, that's why. Tune in watch the CFL and then tune into the first intermission of the hockey game. So yes. you can hear what Elliot has
2: to say. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> i am actually, I'm pumped for
1: that CFL game. Um, Fantasies back, uh, you know, props oh, hey, and betting. The, uh, for people, if they missed it, we do have a DraftKings contest. The first WST CFL DraftKings $3 contest. I am in. I-, I wasn't in a lot of the hockey this year, uh, and I apologize for that, but I'm fully back in. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple teams for the Canadian Open going on, but if you haven't already, Remo, throw the link in the chat. Um, sure. Get in on it. <clears throat> Join us. Week number one, but get your uh, get your roster in before kickoff tonight for a Thursday night game, just so you are, uh, are eligible, even if you're picking Bombers or Elks or guys that are playing a little bit later on. I think we're around 30 or so. Uh, there's the link right there. Underneath Dallas's comment. Hi, Rewis and Hus. Hi, Dallas. Great to see you. And uh, yeah, if you want to get in and play with us in DraftKings, get it done. And tomorrow, obviously, we're going to have plenty on the Bomber Home Opener and obviously all the latest on the Dubois drama copyright. 2022 Winnipeg Sports Talk, now with the updated 2023 Dubois Drama logo.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and, right here.
1: <laughs> and Ken, Weave, uh, Ken Weave's going to join us as well. Uh, great time to have Weber on. I know he's getting ready for the Grey Owl out at Clear Lake, uh, but I have no doubt that he'll come locked and loaded with some takes and some information, and he'll be digging over the course of this next 24 hours. So... Your headquarters for Dubois drama continues to be Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great fun today on the program. Big thanks to Rennie and Brandon and, of course, Andrew Collier for coming by. Uh, I'm looking forward to tonight. A little bit of baseball on the tube. We got the CFL opener between the Lions and the Stamps. And, of course, Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. If you haven't already, gang, hit that red subscribe button and join us daily, 1 o'clock p.m., The next couple weeks here in Winnipeg, and then we will be both myself and Remus doing the shows from Nashville all week long for draft week, which um, certainly looks like Mm -hmm. it's going to be a pretty wild week for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, I think that's pretty exciting for a lot of fans. There's maybe some overdue moves, uh, some moves that we've been hoping to have been made for a while. It sounds like uh, there's a lot coming to fruition right now, and that's just on the Dubois front. Never mind, 55-26, and as much as it pains me to admit it, potentially Connor Hellebuck, the backbone of this franchise. But uh, we're just right back to normal buzz, and it's been a slow week or two with not much happening around the Jets' renewal. But, uh, man, what a great way to get into tomorrow. Big news, pertinent news for the Winnipeg Jets. And, of course, tomorrow, Mm. kickoff for the Bombers at IG Field.
2: Yeah, and one thing we didn't mention, people are bugging us in chat here, was just announced during this show, Shane Doan leaving the Arizona Coyotes. He's joining the Toronto Maple Leafs front office as assistant GM. So um, I guess a lot of people saying, hey, if Shane Doan is leaving Arizona, it must not be a good situation there, and Doan would have...
1: Turn off the lights, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. They're apparently we're going to play there for one more year. But yeah, if Doan is leaving the writing is on the wall. Well, the writing's been on the wall for the last five or six years, but here we are. They're still in the NHL. They're still playing in a junior hockey rink, um, and I'm sure at some point over the course of this year, we'll find out where they're going, and then next year at this time, we'll be talking about a new team, in uh, probably in the Central Division. Maybe it's Houston. Maybe it's Kansas City. I don't think it's going to be in Arizona, but um, that's just the way it is. Shane Doan, lifelong Coyote that is that is definitely, uh, it'll be interesting, I don't know for any of you sickos that go on like Coyotes fan boards and stuff to like see what's going on, but I can't imagine for the for the real fans, and they do have a bunch that follow that team and love that team, that has got to be the ultimate blow after everything that they've heard as of late with Shane Doan moving on to uh uh, to Toronto to work with Brad Treleving under the new management of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, that's going to do it for us because we gotta get this pod up for everyone that listens to it on the way home. Search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and if you're not able to join us live on YouTube, that sucker will be in your inbox just in time for your ride home from work if you're working nine to four, nine to five. Uh, but join us tomorrow, big show. Ken Weeb. We'll have more on this. We'll actually reach out to Arpon and see if he might be able to come on. So we'll be working on some good guests for tomorrow. We will certainly tee up the Bomber Home Opener. And you better join us then, 1 p.m., right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Enjoy CFL kickoff and the cup game tonight, and we'll catch you tomorrow right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it.